This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're celebrating the lowest common denominator, Explosions, the working class, Ooh. shitting on expertise and logic. Fuck it. We're watching <laughs> spine number 40 in the Criterion Collection, Michael Bay's Armageddon from 1998. But first, yes. RJ, you feeling it? I'm feeling it, baby. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. You old horn dog. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a Valentine's Day. I heard you were horn dogging around town. <sighs> Whoa. <laughs> what what leaps we make? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm getting all excited. I think Michael Bay would be excited about uh, horn dogging and hot rodding. And um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore, but I, I am pretty no fucking idea. jacked. Wow. Are you jacked? Uh, same as always. Oh, so even, you're like just barely alive? Even keel, Megan. Mm, did you call me Megan? Man, That's a weird thing to say. Megan Fox. Ooh, shit, Michael Bay. You're you're great at bringing it back to uh, the topic, mm-hmm. the conversation. I'm all oh, you want to hear that Bayham? Fu- that Bayham? Yeah. Bay? Bayham? I heard, yeah. That's a thing, apparently. I heard he changed his last name from uh, Bay, B-A-Y, to Bay, B-A-E. Oh, Bay. Michael Bay. Wow. Is that fun? Is this quality entertainment? No. Hey, what have you been doing this week since last week? Not much, man. Nothing. Not a whole lot. Just creeping around. Went uh, to a pub on the weekend. That was cool. Had a Valentine's Day yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't horn-dogging around because I'm not a pervert like you. Um, Me and Andrea had a nice Indian dinner. So that's pretty cool. We uh, ordered takeout. And uh, it was, uh, we ordered it and we went an hour later to pick it up and it wasn't ready for another hour. So that kind of sucks. Garbage. But uh, the place is notoriously uh, bad for service. That's why we ordered takeout to circumvent those very problems. But uh, um, I felt bad for the poor schlubs that were in the restaurant um, because there was like six tables there and uh, they were there since like the time I went to actually pick up the food. Till when I left about an hour later, none of those people had been served. So, can we can we name and shame this uh, restaurant? Uh, that is Badshaw Indian, <laughs> uh, Indian restaurant in uh, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Uh, let me lay it out like this for you. I think Badshaw fucking rules. It is the best Indian in Lethbridge, I think, in my mm. humble opinion. It is good, um, but it has some service issues. Mainly, they only have ever like one fucking person working, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I think all of their problems could be solved by like hiring like three actual staff members. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a common problem. That's why we get the uh, the takeout because usually you can avoid such issues. But uh, last night, uh, I guess they weren't prepared for that Valentine Day rush. It was a Tuesday, so they probably thought it would be slow. And uh, one one hostess slash waitress and one man in the kitchen they thought was probably enough, but hmm. it was not the case. And they were just uh, buried by six tables. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wow. And then, like, That's there was uh, me and one other lady were waiting for takeout. So, huh. Yeah, I was there for like an hour, and uh, Andrea was pretty fucking pissed off. She's gone. <laughs> she said, <laughs> She left the house. I, I don't want to be a, yeah, I don't want to be with a man who can't even bring home the bacon, mm-hmm. literally. And, uh, no, they don't serve bacon in Indian food. Uh, um, nope. <laughs> yeah. So then we came home and we had dinner with the cats, and that oh, was nice. That is nice. So, 
Uh, I'll, I'll post a fun, a fun picture on the Instagram later for all okay. those people out there. A fun uh, pick. Yeah. What about you, man? Uh, Chanel and I, uh, we made the mature decision of just making our own dinner, staying in, <laughs> not uh, not risking takeout or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, delivery. So we made uh, an experiment from this uh, cookbook that she got called the Vegan Nomicon. Uh, Fuck you. And uh, it was it's uh, chickpea cutlets. Um, You're so lame. <laughs> uh, they're not bad. They're not too bad. Uh, so I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not going vegan or anything. This is kind of just more of a, a random experiment because when Chanel posted this book on Facebook on her feed, she had a bunch of ladies come and say, "Oh, you got to try these these cutlets!" Like more, more than one mm-hmm. person, and they all seem to know be it on mm-hmm. this like vegan recipe thing. I'm like, okay, so we made them, and they're not bad. Like. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. If you're, um, oh, what is it? Uh, celiac. These would probably kill mm-hmm. you because it's all gluten. Uh, mm-hmm. And like these days, gluten is sort of like the equivalent of putting cancer in your uh, meal. So right. we actually found a bag of this stuff. It's just like, you know, gluten, whatever it is, flour kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird texture shock. But uh, you let it, you flatten those bad boys down and grill them up and let them cool off, and they're pretty tasty. Just had one actually today because we made a bunch. So not people too say the shabby. same about me. Yeah, yeah. Keep it flat. Uh, yeah, flat, cool questionable, but uh, yeah. Uh, so it's an interesting story, Jared, but uh, I find it suspect and uh, frankly hard to believe. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm calling you out on that one. I don't think it really happened. Well, Did you have dessert with these so-called chickpea cutlets? And what was your side dish? Was it a kale salad? God Fucking damn. animal. God damn. What did we have? Uh, no, like it's just like uh, this like wild rice stuff that's like pretty good that we just got from mm. like the store, so, some brand of it. Very tasty. Uh, that was about it. And for dessert, uh, we forewent it. We we did discuss going to that Dairy Queen, getting ourselves Ooh, some blizzards, shit. but it was like, nah, unnecessary. We were of the same mind. If uh, we hadn't had to have waited, wait, Jesus, if we hadn't waited an hour for our takeout, we would have gotten blizzards last night. So uh, shout out to DQ, quality uh, dairy mm-hmm. products, I suppose. But yeah. uh, And we didn't. So Andrea settled for two Twizzlers. Nice. <laughs> so pretty, pretty good way to cap off the night, you know. Beautiful. Yes. And that's uh, life. That's life. That's Valentine's Day here on the Creeps cast what we do that's what we do mm-hmm. uh so rj uh yo we went to a movie together this weekend that's true we did yeah. go to a movie together yeah, we we crept hard on that bad boy we left our houses uh the weather is starting to turn very nice and uh we, mm-hmm. went, we went to that theater and you and i we we went and saw that split you know what we should have did instead of seeing split what we should have split Ah. <laughs> Take that, M. Night Shyamalan. Jokes. Yeah, so like uh, at the end of this movie, uh, as we were exiting, uh, I found myself giving the screen the double birds. Um, double birds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were pretty pissed off. I was trying to get out of there because for the last like 20 minutes, I really had to take a piss. Oh, I had to, I had to piss too. <laughs> it, was so, it was so bad in the last 20 20- or like the sensation I had was so bad in the last 20 minutes. I was like, come on, come on. Like it was so fucking grueling to get through that. I almost just left just to take a piss. I was like, I'm, I'm willing to risk it. I don't think whatever the twist or not even a twist, whatever the, uh, the big finale is, 
I was uh, ready to avoid it, and I guess I probably could have. You could have told me about it, and <laughs> you I would have been fine me. with it. I wouldn't have. I honestly, I would have thought you were fucking with me. I wouldn't have believed you at all. <laughs> I know that that's a hundred percent true. So, yeah. So we saw Split. Yeah. Want to talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, spoiler right. zone, folks. We're we're, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about it because who really gives a shit? But you might. Yeah. So Split is a movie. Um about a, yes. a girl who gets kidnapped by a man who is split mm-hmm. personality or disassociative personality disorder, D-I-P-P-D-B-D-B-D. Anyway. Made up diseases. Uh, so she's kidnapped along with two other girls, and there's, like, the danger of them having to uh, take off their clothes and dance. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. and, uh, we get a whole bunch of scenes of the man of split personality going to his psychiatrist, um, mm-hmm. that are awful. Um, yep. I don't know what it is about like older women, but M. Night Shyamalan cannot direct them at all. Uh, it's all on mm-hmm. him. He likes to put himself in his own movies and he shows up, uh, uh-huh. cause he's got to get his cameo in cause he's just like Looks Albert Hitchcock. Ri- ridiculous too. His hair is so fucking goofy in this movie. Mm-hmm. But hey, RJ, this movie's really popular. It is, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were pretty. Yeah, we were pretty jazzed. I feel led astray by uh, this mm-hmm. like this uh, Charlemagne re- Renaissance uh, that's going on. People, because I, I haven't seen the visit. Uh, so Split mm-hmm. is the first movie, the first of his movies that I've seen since Signs, because I still haven't watched The Village, and uh, after that, it seemed like it was really downhill for a really mm-hmm. long time, and then it seems like he's kind of come back. But if this is like what we're getting, I I don't want none of it. I don't want any more of this shit. Uh, I think I've mentioned before I used to be a big fan because of uh, the Signs and the Unbreakable, uh, which both are just A plus movies. Yeah, but. Uh, I have dabbled in these newer things, and I'd say for sure check out The Village because I think that shit rules, and plus Roger Deakins is on there, so you can't go wrong. And The Visit's worth watching. Um, it's all right. Like, I think I've mentioned before, I don't really like it for the handheld stuff, but um, I think The Visit was probably better than this one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure most people would disagree. I think a lot of people think this is like, as you might have said, the second coming. So, yeah, like I don't know. Uh, I, I don't like to blame hype on for things and me not liking yeah. something or whatever, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure what movie people are seeing because this seemed like well, pretty. Like actually, it felt like a throwback. It seemed like the type of movie that M Night Shyamalan would have made like 15 years ago. Um, and it's the type of movie that it was, is. That, it's the type of movies that were being made in like the early 2000s, like Identity or something yeah. like that. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's the other one, uh, Joyride uh, with Paul Walker. Yeah. it's like it had that vibe of like a like yeah. early 2000s like thriller with a twist. Like everyone was making this stuff, and it seems like we're going back to that now. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess like we shit on this movie without really setting up what it, what we did, what what pissed us off about it or pissed me off at yeah. least about it. But um, mm-hmm. so like one of the I guess one of the twists or whatever is that the main character the girl uh well she's been being raped by her uncle for like a decade like since Mm -hmm. she was like a little kid and um that's like part of it turns out that's like a plot point (laughs) because the split Mm -hmm. personality man uh played by old james mcavoy um Mm -hmm. he has 23 personalities uh, and perhaps and, and they, of, uh, of, of the three you see, of, yeah, I see like four or five or something like that. I don't know. Yep. The rest don't really play into it. Um, and this is a result we're uh, led to believe of him, like um, trying to 
um, cope with the fact that he himself was a victim of child abuse from his mother beating mm-hmm. him with a coat hanger. And uh, mm-hmm. so he just yeah disassociated it. And so here's a whole bunch of personalities. And there's a bunch of pseudoscience that like when you're shift into another personality, you also get like uh, like a clean bill of health that goes along with it. So there's like one personality that's uh-huh. diabetic, but only when he's in that particular form. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's like talk of like, oh, there's one woman. She was blind, but then she got uh, uh, split personalities. And when she was in another personality, her like retinas would regenerate and she could see. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, all right. Right. And there's just scenes sure. show stopping scenes on Skype broadcast that we're told is on Skype because Bloomhouse <laughs> loves Skype. Um <laughs> to quote she says via Skype. Yeah. She says, I have a conference via Skype. Hey RJ, we're on mm-hmm. Skype right now, if you couldn't we tell. Are. Yeah. We're coming at you live via Skype. And we're not even in a Bloomhouse yeah. movie. Because oh fuck no. god damn, was it it's sinister, right? With the Baz Bagul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vincent Nofrio, so he didn't have to get out of the bed, didn't have to go shower or anything. Uh yeah. Yeah. That's just because he didn't want to leave his fucking house for like two minutes of some random fucking movie. <laughs> That's he right. read the script, he was like, eh, whatever. He was like, I'll do it if I can Skype in from what? my own house. Oh yeah. Yeah, so uh, James McAvoy, split personality, ch- victim of child abuse. Well, there's all, apparently like two of the darker personalities, the like one who wants like girls to dance for him naked and his like mm-hmm. ev- the evil mother type of figure. They're using yeah. this like little kid persona that's like a nine-year-old who talks like uh, not like a nine-year-old would at all. Uh, that kid can like jump in and take over mm-hmm. the body no matter any time. And he's now in line with the evil personalities who are trying to bring about mm-hmm. the beast uh, the darkest manifestation of all personalities. Um, mm-hmm. And that we're just like, oh, we're constantly being told that's not possible. That's just a myth. Obviously it is like, there's no movie if that doesn't, yeah. it, that doesn't come about. And sure enough mm-hmm. that the beast emerges and the beast is like, I don't know, James McAvoy gets all beefed up and veiny and ridiculous yeah. and running around like a werewolf crawling on walls. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, so he's like a super, now it turns into like supernatural sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And he's like, he actually, he's also a cannibal, I guess, at this point, because he eats uh, two of the, like, the girls you know who are, who doesn't matter if they make it or not. But when yeah. it comes to, like, uh, killing the final girl, the our young mm-hmm. girl, it turns out that uh, when she, her clothes are all kind of taken off her, finally, he sees all the cuts and marks that she's made on herself to deal with the mm-hmm. pain of being raped by her uncle for all these years. And this marks her as being an innocent in the eyes of the beast. And so she, in fact, is saved by the fact mm-hmm. that she's been raped <laughs> systematically for by a loved mm-hmm. one for years, so it turns out sometimes it's okay, I guess, in this particular mar- in this universe. And then James yeah. McAvoy runs away, and turns out that all this action has been <laughs> taking place in the basement of the Philadelphia Zoo. Okay, well, right? it's, it's, the movie's like two hours long, and at this point, I'm just like, oh man, this is just like not that great. Mm-hmm. But then R.J. Some familiar music begins playing, and, and just okay. This this is this is the big time spoils, kids. Yeah. So this mm-hmm. familiar music plays, and just before this was going on, before it hit, I was thinking, I'm like, God, what is it with like M Night Shyamalan's like weird like worldview? Because I was thinking about Unbreakable, and I was thinking like, yeah, there's like this whole thing where it's like this like woman's passed out on a bed, and this guy's like, Hey, are you awake? And then he closes the door, <laughs> and it's like this offhand like weird sex vibe of just like sleaziness. And yeah. He's like, you. Like, that's like a scene that's always like jumped out for me from that movie being kind of like out of place. And this idea of like horrible things happening to people to make them stronger. And I was thinking like, oh, mm-hmm. and then it's like, I didn't even see it coming right then and there that this familiar music hits. And I'm like, isn't this just the music from Unbreakable? 
and mm-hmm. then you get this like montage of like news reports <laughs> of like of like uh, this what's happened from like a media standpoint and that he's disappeared and the this man Barry or whatever um, yep. he's now being called by some as the horde and then these two mm-hmm. these two chowderhead women are like wow wow this is so weird it's just like that guy in the wheelchair oh yeah what was his name you kill all those people and then the camera's panning down and then you hear Bruce Willis fittingly this week burp mm-hmm. out Mr. Glass <laughs> His name is Mr. Glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I should point out at this point, RJ and I have, are, have both like left our seats because we're just kind of walking away because we just think it's like the typical yep. like Marvel movie teaser garbage for like a sequel yep. to Split. But au contraire, from, from my friends, uh, no, this is setting up uh, the Unbreakable Two sequel. The the, the, mm-hmm. the that it's been prom it's been talked about. Promised. This has been promised and discussed for many years, and it's just like so. Ugh, like fuck. RJ, what's the audience for an Unbreakable sequel at this point? How many people in the theater that we went to even knew what Unbreakable was that, like, registered Bruce Willis? Like, did they mm-hmm. think, oh, is this, like, Sixth Sense? Because it's been, like, it's 17 years ago that Unbreakable mm-hmm. came out. I mean, I, hey, it's been a long time since I've watched Unbreakable, but I, I loved that movie a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to see a sequel by this M. Night Shyamalan at all. Um, mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, Unbreakable is one of my act- actually one of my favorite movies. I fucking love that thing. I think it's so good. Um, and when I was 17 years ago, when I was a little kid, I probably would have loved an Unbreakable sequel. Absolutely. But n- not anymore, man. Uh, I think it's just you know in the last 17 years, what's become popular, like Marvel movies and the superheroes and all that stuff, and linking things together unnecessarily. And not having anything be able to stand on its own and be good on its own anymore. Um, and M. Knight's just trying to fucking find a way back in there. So he's like, why don't I go to, like, of his, like, biggest properties, like the big three, Six Sense, Unbreakable Signs. The only one that I think is, like, warranted for a sequel would have been maybe Unbreakable. Yeah. Six Signs you can't really do, unless you, like, follow the kid as a grown-up. Well, actually, you know what? You could make fucking sequels of all of them, and I'm sure he will one day. And it will all exist in this universe where there's an M. Night Shyamalan acting in all of these different things. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know what the audience is. I'm guessing younger people who... Just go see movies. Wanna, just go see movies, yeah. Um, to be honest, I think like there's this popular like interview with Patton Oswalt where he's describing like what his sequels would have been to Unbreakable. It was like Unbreakable and then Unbreakables and then Broken and that would have been his trilogy. Um I would love to see that shit. Go get him to if he wrote the scripts, fuck yeah. Dial me in. And anyone can go uh find this and he explains exactly what would happen in all three of those movies or the two sequels. So go check that out. But um for M Night Based on Split, if this is setting up the Unbreakable sequel, I don't know if I'm in, man. I don't know. Because, like, so I'll, I'll say my piece here. I'm pretty much the same same as you. Um, as you mentioned before, a while ago, uh, I did make fun of this movie when I had first heard about it. Because I think the Split personality stuff is such fucking garbage. And uh, I was actually a little optimistic and they, he even, like, addresses it in this movie where there's other people that are like, that's not a real thing. It's like we <laughs> we discredited that years ago. Like, it's usually, like, 
people who have like some sort of schizophrenia or like this or that, it's like there's not really this dissociative identity disorder is not really a thing anymore. And I was like, oh, cool. At least he addressed that it's made up. And like, I, I can I can have like a suspension of disbelief or whatever that phrase is. Like, I can go along with pretty much anything. But I fucking, I hate split personalities. And I absolutely, absolutely hate the idea that there's this like unused potential within the human body that can be harnessed. Like the thing where it's like, oh, you only use 10% of your brain. Like they, <laughs> they touch on that. And then he takes it to an even stronger level where it's just like, you know, if you will it, you can turn your body into a tractor. And it's like, what? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, it's like, if you think really hard, you can be a snake. And you're like, huh? But that's what he fucking goes to in this movie. Like he brings up all these examples and it's just like, man, I just, I I can't stand that stuff. I hate it, Jared. Mm -hmm. I hate it. And then the biggest thing, the real time or when I actually turned on this movie was all the stuff with when you're slowly figuring out like the main girl's story and you can, you can pretty, you can see it from pretty far away. It's like every 10 minutes they flash back to her as a little kid. And I think it's like on the third or fourth one where like uh, all you see is like, uh, her dad is sleeping and her uncle walks by the tent and he's like, hi. And then, and then it like stops. You're like, Oh, okay. So she was raped. Great. And then they like, they just show you even more and more. And you're like, why are you doing this? Like, why does this character have to have to be raped to be important in this or like to have something come up later. And I feel like it's this really weird thing. Like that's what I really didn't like. I thought it was like kind of glorifying this victimization where it's like, the girl gets like raped and abused so but it turns out okay for her later and then like james mcavoy's character is also abused but it turns him into like basically like a super villain so that's cool too so it's like the message is the message that like assault and like abuse and all these things are like good because it'll make you either a a super villain much like in unbreakable but there it's like not a victim but like i don't know it's it's a lot more acceptable than that i guess but in this one it's just like i don't know the assault and abuse whatever it seems like it'll either make you a super villain or it'll it'll get you out of a tight spot later on in life it'll make you stronger somehow yeah there's this like weird like it's all part of god's plan Mm -hmm. and nope (laughs) no i don't buy that anymore um I, I like it in signs, the God's plan stuff, but that's just because my main man Mel is doing his thing and he's like, aliens. Yeah, the uh, um, the, the theology of uh, of uh, M. Night movies are weird. So anyways, that's that's my piece too Split. is like, yeah, oh, well, I, I wasn't a fan. Uh, no, uh, one thing I'll mention is uh, before the movie started, we got to watch ourselves the Mummy trailer, which I had not seen yet. Oh, yeah. And, and all I get like laughing at is like it's a movie about Tom Cruise either falling or running through corridors. Like he's either like in a he's he's in a tube like oh he's in the airplane and it's turning around you get to see him flipping and flying and then it's like him running through another room and then running through a tr- like it's just constantly him falling through stuff and I'm like oh. I guess have you they- ever seen a Tom Cruise movie? Uh, I have. Uh, but that's like and well, that's, that's all that's all his movies are now. Yeah. Him, exactly. Him falling through things and on planes and, mm-hmm. and what have you, running from stuff. Yeah. Some, uh, I, I'm i so jacked for that. I'm going to go see that shit opening day. All right. Baby. Enjoy. Because of that 
Remember when that trailer first came out and I was like, is it, I was like, his scream is so weird. <laughs> Did you ever hear about that stuff afterwards? Someone like isolated the audio and it was like just the scream and you can get that as an audio file now. It's like, ah, ah. it sounds mm. natural, man. It sounds like he's really scared. <laughs> Well, uh, RJ, uh, what else <laughs> yeah. did you, other than Split, did, what, did you creep on anything else this week you want to share with our I listeners? I did all sorts of creeping, big boy. Oh. So I'll lay some down, some creeps for yeah. you. Do it. Some quick creeps. I did some uh, some of them Oscar contenders. Uh, I watched that Moonlight oh. that you watched and that you talked about. Yeah. Um, so you talked about the plot quite a bit. I'll just say that I also... Uh, I really liked it. Thought it was really good. Uh, one thing that I really noticed that I haven't really heard. Mm, I'm, I haven't been looking at other people's reviews, so I'm sure someone else mentioned it. But uh, I thought one aspect that was really good was the uh, the sound design. Hmm. Like there there's scene or there's certain times where like sound sound will cut out and then you'll get like the audio will be from a different perspective or like a different aspect or something. I thought it was really good. I was like, damn man, this movie is well put together. Hmm. Um, yeah, I thought the, the story was really cool or cool. I thought the story was really good. The movie's great. All the actors are good. Um, I think based on watching Manchester and Moonlight, I think I like Manchester more, but I think Moonlight is a better, better fit for actually winning awards um or that's the one i would hope would win but from what it sounds like la la land will probably just win everything so oh um, that reminds me we have what? a reader email rj oh shit okay well um, moonlight email. is really good so uh oh, throw down some very, listeners. very quick well uh joshua frazier he uh reached yes. out to us actually a week ago I uh, just mm-hmm. did not check the old inbox before recording. And he just wrote, hey, guys, sorry I haven't written in a while. I just wanted to say I'm looking forward to Jared hating on my beloved La La Land. <laughs> Regards. Yeah, <laughs> and, that sounds uh, about right. Well, uh, Joshua, uh, you'll be probably getting your wish because that is going to be at the Second Run Theater just down the street from me uh, this Friday. And I plan mm-hmm. on seeing it uh, sometime this weekend. So next week you should hear some La La Land thoughts from me. Uh, I hope I don't hate it. That's all I'll say. I, I'm not going into hate. But. I think the odd, nobody thinks the odds are on uh, for you liking that movie. So it's like ten to one that you would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just how it is. This is how it um, is. I might, I might like La La Land. Although I did bring it up to Andrea because it was like out of those three, like the big three: Manchester, Moonlight, and uh, Lava. I was like, you want to go see La La Land? She's like, oh, that's the one with those guys, right? I was like, yeah. She's like, that sounds good. I was like, it's a musical. And she's like, oh, fuck no. She's like, I don't want to go see that shit. So uh, Andrea is probably in the same boat as you. Um, I tried to take her, but she doesn't want to see musicals. She says, that's stupid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you tell him, girl. Yeah. But uh, she did watch Manchester and Moonlight with me, and she liked both of those yep. as well. I think they're both so, good. So it's. <laughs> I think she- yeah, I think she liked Moonlight more than Manchester as well. Okay. So that's my two cents there. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I watched that Patterson movie by a big Jim Jarmusch. Okay. Jarmusch with your buddy Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, a- Andrea said that's when it finished, she was like, that's not really a movie, hey? I was like, yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's not really a movie. Uh, this has really good reviews. Um, it's about Adam Driver. He's a bus driver. Patterson, New Jersey. But he's also also like a secret poet. And so he just writes poems in his journal. And it's just about his life. Um, it was pretty good. 
it's uh can I can I get on a high horse here and give you my uh, my review? Do it. Uh, it's it's more of a it's more less a movie and it's more poetry, poetry in motion, man. Is that deep? <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about Patterson. I thought it was I thought it was fine. I'm sure some people will really like it, but yeah, uh, I've seen some people really love um, that movie a lot, which is fine too. I mean, mm-hmm. people like different things. I don't. It doesn't matter that I thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Patterson, it's all right. Yep. It's like a poem. Cool. Uh, and then uh, some more quick ones for you. Follow up. I uh, I finished that alien thing I was talking about. I watched Prometheus last week. Mm. Um, so I had seen this one in theaters. Uh, so this was a rewatch for me. But I hadn't watched it since then. Um, it's all right. Uh, it looks really good. Yep. Uh, the set's really good. Um, it's yep. filmed very nice. Everything's there. But... Uh, it's just there's no backbone to it. There's no like you know what I mean. Like there's nothing. Like it looks great, but I don't. I don't think there's like I don't much care for the story. It's kind of boring. Um, it doesn't really offer anything new to the series or the franchise or whatever. Just kind of more or less of the same. I don't really care about any of the people. Uh, there's some dumb stuff in it, but I mean, what do you? What do you think is going to happen? There's one time, there's a scene where they find uh, this old dusty head in a cave and then they bring it into the lab. And the lady's like, maybe if we stimulate the nervous system, uh, we can uh, make it or pretend to get it to believe it's alive. And I was like, what? (laughs) And they like, they like electrocute inside this old head and then the head comes alive. And I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, So that was weird. That was some hard science, Uh, I think. Yeah, that's some hard science, man. Um, well, I think Ridley Scott's a good fit for that stuff, but you just got to get someone other than like Damon Lindelof to uh, to write the script. That's yeah. probably all it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw Prometheus just the one time on uh, Blu-ray uh, mm-hmm. after it come out, and everyone kind of had dumped on it, and I thought it was like just okay. I didn't hate it. Um, usually, this sort of stuff puts me off but i think like i really like the way this movie looked um yeah i don't know uh it's been a while since it's been a few years now since i watched it and maybe a lot of stuff i ignored before would come back stronger for me uh but yeah i mean i thought it was just like it's okay it's not where it's not the it's not the movie that deserves the hate that it got but yeah i mean i could i get why people are disappointed by it but at the same time i'm not Mm -hmm. sure what people are expecting from like again sequels from years and years after the fact it usually doesn't Mm -hmm. go well like i don't know what what people think like they ignore the track record it's like people have gambling problems they only think about the hits and like then they just ignore all the losses but it's like almost the flip around where they just talk about the i don't know it's strange people's Mm -hmm. brains are funny when it comes to like wish wishful thinking (laughs) Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what though? It's better than Alien Resurrection. So, well, that seems to be uh, well right next to like I think the last AVP movie that Requiem mm-hmm. that, that that's supposed to be the the real bottom of the pile, and yeah. then there's that Resurrection. Mm-hmm. Hot take though, Alien Three is definitely better than Prometheus. Okay, which I think pe- pe- I think people like I was scanning people's opinions of it, and it seems like Prometheus is like coming through a little bit now. People mm-hmm. are like a little easier, not easier, but like not as harsh on it. Right. But uh, nah, man, Alien Alien Cubed is definitely better than Prometheus. And it's like you said, it's fine. It's just like, eh, whatever. Right. Whatever. Uh, and then just to wrap things up, I watched OJ, 
Made in America. Yes. Yeah. That's like 90-hour documentary by uh, the boys at ESPN. Yep. Um, so full disclosure, I watched like three episodes of that like a month ago. Okay. And then uh, Andrea didn't want to watch it anymore because she was just like, she's like, no, it makes me really mad watching that show. I was like, okay. Like, what, against black and, people? No, she was, well, she was just like, <laughs> she was mad at like, because the, the show does such a good job of like setting the scene with like how it got to the, where it got to. Like once the OJ trial came in with like all the police and like the communities, like the African-American community there and like the cycle of violence and just abuse and all that stuff. And then like once OJ got up there, the way it like kind of flipped and like she was just, I think she was overwhelmed by like, how obvious it was that oj did it but people were so stubborn and like it really it's actually what's the way that show is set up is like so fitting with the current media and like political things down uh, in the states right now that um i don't know it's really good man and the point is she she was mad she's just like oh she's like i'm so frustrated by like how dumb people were were <laughs> were well exactly and it's well, like it's, and, it's funny rj it's like, well, this, that's still how it is this is an episode about things in the 90s uh setting up and influencing the way things are now exactly yeah. so that's why i want to talk about old oj yeah. made in america yeah but, uh, uh that, that's a real it's a because it's a it's four parts now right they break it up into five. four it's at five okay so she yeah. only watched the first because the, the fourth one's the trial so she hasn't even she never even watched there, the trial there was a bit. There was a little bit of the trial in three, uh, right. in episode three, and uh, she actually she watched the um, the uh, People versus O.J. Simpson with me, oh, like okay. uh, the show that's all basically just the whole trial. So she didn't know what it's the, the trial fourth was. episode basically. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah, yeah. When I watched those, I watched them fairly close together, and I felt that the fourth part was the weakest of the five because mm-hmm. it was just, it just felt so repetitive. Um, yeah. Com- after having just watched like the dramatization of it, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that that fifth part, man, I, I that the fall of OJ is like so like I don't remember a lot of that stuff until watching it and mm-hmm. seeing like how scummy it got, man. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that that's really good, and it's it does a great job too. That uh, for four episodes, like the first episode is so good that shows you like yes. how he became famous. And then episode two, three, and four, you're just like, holy shit, he was a bad dude. Like, beating up ladies, murdering people, all this shit. <laughs> left, you're like, and right. he, left and can, right. Can anyone stop this monster? <laughs> no, you can't. The, the system um, is powerless with his blockage. It's powerless to the juice. Yeah. The juice is loose, baby. Um, but I was going to say, it's it's good that like it builds it up like that. And then in episode five, it shows like after he was acquitted or like whatever. And uh, uh, it shows like he's actually like you, you start to feel bad for him again because he loses everything. And yeah. you're like, oh, man, juice. And you do feel bad for him. And then he like goes and like fucking mugs people. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he is a bad <laughs> oh, dude. I've got, I remember oh, the, now. The sleazy sports collectors. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> mm, so, uh, yeah. OJ, man. The OJ. juice is loose. Yep. That Everyone should watch that. It's fucking really well made stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yes, that is like, yeah, I mean, it's like my runner up for best things I watched last year, basically. It was like my yep. number six. Like, I, uh, it just, yeah, great. Yeah, it was good. Definitely. It was very good. Yeah, well, uh, that brings me actually to a late entry to the better films, I think, of 2016. 
that I got to watch Uh-oh. this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So on Friday, uh, friends and I, we went over to that Boston pizza, had, had myself a house chicken salad. At the end of the day, uh, the waitress was asking, so what are you guys doing tonight? You know, as waitresses do, because they don't mm-hmm. care at all. But they ask. Tell her to... You tell her to mind her own fucking business? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I said the next best thing, which, oh, just going to the new Martin Scorsese movie about 17th century Jesuit priests oh. traveling to Japan and persecution right? ensues. And she went, mm-hmm. oh, I want to go see that movie. That oh, it's, the one, it's the one about the guy split personality. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm seeing mm-hmm. that tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we went to silence and uh, Corey and I. And we were mm-hmm. talking about how, like, yeah, I, pr- I mean, I've seen pretty well every Martin Scorsese movie since Gangs of New York in theater, though I did miss Aviator um, for some reason. But, it's uh, missable. No, Aviator's good. I watched it one time like 10 years ago. And I was like, well, whatever. What, were you like a, a 13, 14-year-old kid at that point? <laughs> yeah, it would have been like, uh, I think I watched it when I was like, I don't know, 17. Yeah. Well, 17 year old meathead RJ is wrong. <laughs> uh, whatever. Aviators continue. Uh, anyway, so silence. Uh, it, mm-hmm. uh, the first run here in town was at the second run theater. So that was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Only at one time, uh, night, uh, mm-hmm. at like eight forty for this almost three hour long movie. Really was really happy about that. And, mm-hmm. uh, all the people that were going were actually a lot of like, uh, there's like Japanese Canadian, like, men were going to this movie Jared. hey they were and i was like oh are they going to the movie about japan and i'm like mm-hmm. i wonder if they know like how shitty japan comes off in this movie so uh this is a movie that has my boy adam driver and my other boy oh, yeah. andrew garfield who yeah. both do uh good jobs they're both uh yes. actually adam driver's really not in this movie a whole lot he, I don't know, maybe he was too busy Extra being nice. Kylo or something and uh, was being pulled mm-hmm. aside to do all these other movies so he, he couldn't be there for all this filming so he maybe did some changing around. I don't know. I've never read the uh, original novel. I'd have to compare yeah. it, which I found out there's actually a, a Japanese version of the movie that came out in like 1971, also called Silence, uh, which I'm curious to check out now just to see how they compare. I've heard some people say they prefer the original, uh, mm-hmm. but I thought this movie was really good. Um in fact, pretty great. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. one of Marty's better movies in a, lo- a long while. Ooh, shit. Um, like, I thought Wolf of Wall Street was good. Uh, and it's got some very yep. good stuff in there. But it felt also very mm-hmm. derivative of kind of like what, how good Marty used to be. Um, which yeah. is kind of how I also felt about The Departed, which I know is also like a good movie. But it just is like, oh, man, mm-hmm. I, I miss old Marty. But uh, this actually seems like, uh, I mean, he's been wanting to make this movie for like, what, 20, 30 years? Like it's been yeah. he's, it's, uh, a super project that he's been wanting to think, things been thinking of doing. He finally did it. Um, mm-hmm. The only complaints I have with this movie at this point uh, are... There's like these weird like CGI inserted scenes like about them traveling place to place on CGI boats and stuff mm-hmm. like that and they just don't look good. Like I I this stuff mm. it's in mod- it's, every modern movie has this stuff now. Um right. and 
it just like makes me mad that like they just couldn't like pony up another couple like couple thousand dollars to just like shoot to, to make an old boat. They had to. They did have boats though. They actually shot scenes on boats, but then oh. they did these other scenes where they composite stuff together. For, I don't know. It just uh. it, it, it's the shits. I hate it. Um, and it always just makes me sad that this is just how every movie's gonna look forever and ever. And even mm-hmm. Marty has to do it. Um, yeah. But uh, on the whole, this movie I I really liked it. It's totally uh, kind of I don't know. I love period pieces. I love this mm-hmm. era. This like kind of I think I've described it in our uh, horror episodes about like kind of like medieval period. I find is like a really disturbing period of time to be alive because it's like this world that's like pre-electricity um, mm. and like the, we don't know a lot about the world and um, so the movie is just like yeah these two Portuguese priests are going off to Japan where like um, they know that there's been like uh, other priests have been tortured and killed and they're going to go there Ooh. and um, I mean it, it could be uh, 17th century Japan it could be like 25th century post-apocalypse like there's no real difference between these like societies like it's like you every technology stripped out and you're just wandering around and then suddenly you're surrounded and then you're just at the like whims of like an unknowable force that doesn't want you to be there um and yeah. they're they're going to put you to all sorts of horrible bodily harm <laughs> if you don't do what they say Nice. So it plays kind of like a horror movie at times, uh, but Ooh. like not like a horror movie at all. It's like uh, a lot more sophisticated than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Andrew Garfield does like all the heavy lifting in this movie. Um, and like, I'm kind of not, I'm kind of like bummed out that this movie like didn't get nominated for like best picture at all. It seems like this movie's kind of been dropped off. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. crowd pleasing in the least, uh, like mm-hmm. a lot of the other movies are. So I'm not surprised, I guess, at the end of the day, but. I don't know. Like, I think this movie, like, is like if you're gonna have like the fucking arrival on your best films of the year nominees, like Silences should be on there too because it's definitely a yeah. better movie um, mm-hmm. that I think people will watch uh, in the future. Whereas Arrival, eh, I don't think so. But that's my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, Silence is really good, kind of disturbing, thoughtful. Uh, when we left the theater, um, mm-hmm. this like middle-aged couple with we're talking with another middle-aged couple and they're like oh what did you think of that movie he was a little different wasn't it oh a little (sighs) a little too deep for uh this time of night (laughs) and i'm like yeah this is this is like i'm not surprised in the least Mm -hmm. um but i mean this is like the marty of like last temptation of christ i think like this is his mind space exploring his own like struggles with like catholicism and like Mm -hmm. this idea of like god and stuff like that uh yeah i i thought this movie was pretty great um totally for me so uh which i'm totally down with (laughs) and people should watch it and uh yeah go out of your way to see it i mean it's martin scorsese people will eventually see it it'll find that audience uh Mm -hmm. so it's it's safe in that regard but yeah it was good sounds good man i want to watch it it's like it's what you said though uh our city's no- notoriously bad for not being able, not having actual showings for uh, movies here. So I don't know if I'll get to it on the rigid time schedule that it's actually being showed. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds dope, though. Pretty, I like that shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I also watched another movie from 2016 that I feel what? might, yeah, that's, I think it might wind up being kind of like how The Lobster came out uh, like mm. in 2015. 
but and then I saw it back then, and then no one yeah. else did until 2016. So now it's on people's yeah. best of list. Like somehow that I, I saw movies before major critics did. Um, yeah. So it's kind of wacky. But this film is called it's called a Bride for Rip Van Winkle. Um, it's a Japanese movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the director's name. It's like I weigh uh, Van Winkle. Rip Van Winkle. Rip Van. What about Rob? I don't know. You have to ask uh, the Van Winkle family. Mm. Uh, Shinji Iwei. So, this movie uh, again, it's a col- mm-hmm. it's a colossal three hours. Uh, yeah, I know. It's just and, and also set in Japan, which all fits all along with the book I'm still reading, uh, "People Who Eat Darkness," which I'm halfway mm-hmm. through, and it's very Ooh. good. Can't wait to finish it up. Um, mm-hmm. So, Bride for Rip Van Winkle, it follows uh, this young woman whose life kind of begins to unfurl uh, in modern-day Japan. She um, she gets married to a fellow school teacher, uh, but she's kind of a pushover. This is Nanami. And mm-hmm. uh, she, she has a very small family, and so she hires this man who kind of like is a who does jobs like whatever you're mm-hmm. whatever you're willing to pay this guy to do he will pay you to do um and so she needs family members to kind of fill up her side of the family getting married so he get, goes and hires some actors to play her family and they get charts and they're just there to kind of mingle around and balance out the wedding party that's just it the sounds very, like a black comedy this is the very very beginning of this i don't even know what you call this film um it's i guess like a drama it's like a novel it's actually very uh like a Murakami plot, mm. I guess. Um, oh. So, but then like things start conspiring from there where like this guy that she's hired starts kind of interfering with her life in various ways, like creating situations where it seems like she's having an affair, but it's because mm-hmm. she's been led to believe that her husband's been having an affair, but it's not the case. And then it's like this kind of weird downward spiral of her becoming also an actor going to people's weddings for strangers and mm-hmm. then meeting uh, another fellow actress who then she becomes like a maid with living in this giant mansion that have these poisonous sea creatures in aquariums that they're supposed to take care of. Um, and weird. So, yeah, it's like, it's an odd little movie that I, yeah. I haven't heard anyone talk about yet. I think most because it just doesn't have North American distribution. Um, but mm-hmm. this this fella, this uh, Iway director, uh, he's been making movies for like the last 20 years. And I've seen like mm. very few people have checked them out. But uh, from what I've been hearing, uh, they're pretty good like this movie because this movie I thought was great. Um, considering it's like three hours long, I thought it motored right by. It's beautifully mm-hmm. shot. It was shot with like 6K digital cameras and it looks great. Um, it's got a great blue kind of tinge to everything. Uh, the characters are really well drawn. Um, not, nothing takes like scenes don't draw draw out like you would expect maybe with like the sort of like low key drama but mm-hmm. yeah a real pleasant surprise and I'm really excited actually to check out more of this guy's films I just have to actually track down some of the copies of him he apparently directed this like like horror movie like a few years ago that was shot in Vancouver called Vampire that apparently is just a piece of shit um, <laughs> but it seems like what happens sometimes when like Japanese directors uh, start working with like a bunch of Caucasoid <laughs> Caucasians and like they just like they're there's uh-huh. a total disconnect between like the Japanese director trying to like communicate to these white actors yeah. and they're just like, they blow it. So the scenes are all awful. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. even like a, um, Park Chan walks movie that Stoker with like Nicole Kidman. 
Do you yeah. remember that? It was just like, again, yeah. it's another thing. I think it's just like a language barrier that can happen. John Woo had that problem, I think, at the beginning. Uh, but he got slightly... Not, not he, in face-off. Well, that was his third time because he started oh, off with okay. Hard Hard Target with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I think oh, turned right. out to be a movie directed by Jean-Claude Van Damme that John Woo got to sit in on. Um, and then Broken right. Arrow, which, like, again... I don't know. Sometimes like, I, I don't think the directors necessarily know like the readings that they're given because they, they, they don't mm-hmm. speak the, the, ling- the language isn't their own. So they're like watching and go, yeah, this seems right. But it's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's too, yeah. something's off. But anyway, so that movie's supposed to be a piece of crap. But everything else in his filmography sounds pretty neat. Got some post-apocalyptic sounding stuff, lo-fi sort of Ooh. oddities. But, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, check them out, man. I will. And I will check report back. Yeah. Um, Last thing I'll mention is for Valentine's Day, Chanel and I checked out some <gasps> slasher films. Ooh, shit. Rewatched The Driller Killer uh, after getting that uh, Steelbook Arrow Blu-ray that came out a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, back in December, but it didn't ship from Amazon.ca until a few weeks ago because Amazon, Amazon.ca is a piece of shit. Um, and it's interesting. I can see people not mm-hmm. really liking that movie, but it's got that nice, cool, like late 70s New York grimy vibe that you loved so much in mm-hmm. Sid and Nancy um, but it's like far more uh, lived in and legit because it was actually filmed in that period of time mm-hmm. uh, and to top it off we watched My Bloody Valentine oh the, the remake in 3D nope the original from oh. 1981 lame. or whatever um, yeah what, you know what's lame is uh, so the Blu-ray comes with two versions you can watch there's mm-hmm. the theatrical cut and then there's the extended cut and mm-hmm. there's only one version to watch, which is the extended cut, because it includes all of the uh, scenes that were cut out to make this movie rated R, because uh, it oh. was just too, considered too extreme. So uh, we watching it with the original like kills and death and whatnot. It's just like mm-hmm. unbelievable that like anyone would have ever given a shit about Mighty Bloody Valentine without those kills, because the movie itself is like yeah. not bad, like it's okay. But what really makes it stand out is like the quality of the makeup and special effects of the deaths in this mm-hmm. like so what happens is unfortunately is on the blu-ray is it when it gets to those scenes it has to drop in quality because that material wasn't yeah. really well preserved so it's a lot grainier and mm-hmm. washed out and not color corrected so it just shows up but then you're watching these scenes and you're like whoa like those are really well done like they're kind of like mm-hmm. off-putting in how well done they are and uh, so yeah when you imagine those scenes not being in the movie you're just like what the fuck is wrong with film sensors like Mm-hmm. Like I would have just refused to re- release the movie at all, I guess. But I, I guess it's not my money. But I just couldn't imagine watching this stuff yeah. without those scenes in there. Like it would just be awful. You should go be a film censor. Yeah, and just let everything pass. Break it down from the inside. Drain, drain the swamp. Yeah. Drain the swamp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you good luck. Thanks. You could do it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That sounds all right. You ever seen that remake of My Bloody Valentine? 3D? Never. I saw that in theaters. Yeah. I don't remember it, oh. but I saw it. Well, that's not... I, well, I, I want to know what Meathead RJ thought. <laughs> uh, I don't think I thought that much of it, to be honest. If I had, I probably would have remembered even one aspect of it. But uh, I don't know. I don't remember anything about that movie, except well. that it was in 3D. That, I, I remember... <laughs> I feel like that's the one that kicked off the, the whole 3D craze. That was the first um, one I noticed, at least. It's pre-Avatar, buddy. Uh, well, the 3D thing started before that. Well, no, I know, but wasn't like, there you like know, a, the resurgence. Wasn't there, a, 
yeah. Well, see, this is like another thing I have to look into. Damn it. Well, now, now, we're, for now, we got de- now we got dead air. Our fans are going to hate us. They already don't like me. So mm-hmm. it's all going downhill now, pal, because you weren't prepared for the questions you didn't know you were going to be asked. <laughs> About 3D movies. God, this uh, this goddamn list isn't even in like chronological order. It's just by name. Bullshit. What a dumb list. Open. No, but for uh, for real though, I feel like that's the earliest one I can remember of like the modern day resurgence in the last like fifteen years. Order of if the someone... Fe- your order of the Phoenix was in three D. That was did that come up before my bloody Valentine? Uh, I don't know. Two thousand seven. Where's my bloody Valentine? My Bloody Valentine was 2009, so yes. The people were making uh, 3D movies before then. Well, whatever. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep telling people uh, my Bloody Valentine the, was... The, the, po- the Polar Express, that's, that's a 3D animated movie. Was that movie actually yeah. done? In, oh, it was, or IMAX 3D, so that was 2004. Yeah. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Cor- well, Coraline, I think that was like... No, that was 2009, too. It's not as old as Well, I whatever, I'm gonna, whatever, I'm going to stick with my answer. Fuck it, make up stuff. Yeah, do I, that's do, all do, I've do, ever done. Do what you know. You think I watched these movies we talk about? No. Come on. We know that. Uh, yeah. Hey, let's hit news now. I've got sure. some news very quickly. It, and just in time, me. today, Criterion announced their May 2017 releases. And I, for mm-hmm. one, couldn't be more excited. Because number one, we're getting fucking Ghost World on goddamn Blu-ray from Criterion, mm-hmm. which is the best news. Because Ghost World is legit one of my all-time favorite movies ever. I love that movie to bits, and it ha- it has never come out on Blu-ray. That DVD is like 15 years old now, uh, so I'm very excited to check that out when it comes out because I love that Daniel Klaus, his comics, that, all that stuff. That's that M Night Shyamalan one with uh, Bruce Willis, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> uh, that's Ghost World, right? That's right. Uh, we have also got another uh, Ozu movie coming out, which is perfect timing because uh, the film Good Morning. We actually might be coming mm-hmm. up to right around the time that this comes out on Blu-ray in our uh, Criterion Ooh. Creep, which is great because the DVD for it is in terrible shape. It's like an old, old mm. DVD and probably, I don't even think it's anamorphic. So the Blu-ray of it is most welcome. Um, I've heard good things about this Ozu. I've heard it's actually mm-hmm. amongst his best stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm like I, I, these are both like day one buys for me. And because you got all that disposable income, I I have a job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we also got a fucking uh, Orson Welles movie. We got we got ah. we have his Othello coming out. Uh, that's that's Shakespeare, RJ. Uh, Is that like the game that came out on the Nintendo Entertainment System? <laughs> yeah, like like that game. Uh, it was like a puzzle game or something. <laughs> yeah, it's Othello. It's a game. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So. Uh, I'm also excited about this because I just literally got in the mail this past week a copy of Orson Welles' Macbeth that um, all the mm. films put out. So, hey, his other uh, Shakespeare movie is coming. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. all, it's, it's Shakespeare up in here, man. Oh, well, that'll be that'll be good in time for like, uh, I think a couple of weeks from now, you can watch all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other uh, thing coming out in May is Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project Volume 2, which has like six films I'm not too familiar with, but uh, I've heard okay things, pretty good things about Volume 1, which is just like a bunch of like stuff that Marty thinks uh, the mm-hmm. world, the people should be checking out. So that's cool. I got it. 
I got a question for you. Yeah. Is the volume numbered in spine order or each individual film included numbered? Uh, I think uh, it's changed. It's dependent on different volumes. Like I know Mm. I'm not sure offhand if they're going to get their own spot. Each movie in there is going to get a spine number or if it's just going to be like the project volume two is just going to have one spine number. It might very well work that way. Well, whatever. I'm not going to watch them. (laughs) Fuck world cinema. Fuck you, Martin. Yeah, Martin. Martin. Uh, yeah. That's my news, RJ. What about you? Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, dude. I got some news for you. Oh, shit. Do I got some news for you? I was going to... Uh, this kind of... So the real news, I, I'm going to relate back to this first little tidbit. This news is kind of old hat now. Okay. But uh, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Ben Affleck dropped out of directing The Batman. Did you hear that? Yeah. He, did you? Do- uh, we we talked about it last week, but he actually he's he's just totally dropped out. He's, and so apparently, is, is he not even Batman anymore? Oh, uh, there there was a rumor people are people think he's gonna like quit, but I mean I can guarantee he signed the contract for like six films or something, so he's got to do it. But uh, I guess the uh, the front runner to direct is uh, Matt Reeves, who you might know from all your favorite new reboot rebooted franchise, the Planet of the Apes movies. So he did the new one coming out with your buddy Woody Harrelson, and he did the last one too. Uh, yes. So I don't know. It's like I said, I the only way I can even describe that last one is trite. So I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> At this point, who cares? But the real thing that I want to talk about, which is the real person who should be directing the Batman, apparently Warner Brothers, for their follow-up to the Suicide Squad, that's right, Suicide Squad 2, they're not going to keep David Ayer on, even though he did everything right. He didn't badmouth his movie at all. He, he was even when it was getting ripped apart, he was like, yeah, it's still the movie. He did everything right. But the, he, they're not going to keep with him. I think he's going to do Gotham City Sirens with like Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and Catwoman and shit. Anyways, they uh, so they're going to go ahead with Suicide Squad 2. And the person that they want to direct is none other than the fallen son of my main man <laughs> mel gibson and i think that is fucking unbelievable i don't even yeah um, well, on, number like, one he he won't do it he won't because he doesn't like he, as we've talked about yeah. he doesn't like superhero movies but apparently but if they dump enough money on him i don't know man no. i don't know he's got nine kids he's got nine kids he's got to feed them somehow it's a lot of mouths to feed it's a lot of mouths to feed. So apparently, like, there's, I guess there's a short list of, like, directors they want. But uh, that the the hot buzz news that just broke, like, an hour ago is that Mel Gibson is, is the number one pick for uh, Warner Brothers' Suicide Squad 2. Um, although, I would love to see Mel Gibson direct any movie, uh, especially a DC Comics movie. I don't think Suicide Squad is the right one. Uh, I guess it would be pretty action-heavy, which he's great at, but uh, I think he would be better off with, um, I don't know, fucking anything. <laughs> Give him, like, Doom Patrol or something, or, like, oh, Swamp Thing uh, new, new, new Gods. New, yeah, man, give him the New Gods. That'd be fucking amazing. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think I, I heard this, and I was like, holy shit, we got to talk about this. So um, Here we are. Do you think uh do you think his uh favorite character the tax man will make an appearance? <laughs> or uh Sugar Tits, the uh, super Well. 
So anyways, that's what's shaking in the, the world. <laughs> there you have it, folks. News. There you have it. News. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, crazy. is it time we go running toward that asteroid? Holy shit. I've never been so ready. Let's well, do it. Well, folks, that's it. After the break, we're going to go hang out with that maple blondie, Bruce Willis, up in the sky. This morning, how big were those? Those were nothing. The size of basketballs and Volkswagens. This new one you're tracking, how big? It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. It's what we call a global killer, the end of mankind. Half the world will be incinerated by the heat blast, and the rest will freeze to death in nuclear winter. Basically the worst parts of the Bible. Hitting the rock from the outside won't do the job. So we nuke this thing from the inside? How? We drill. We bring in the world's best deep core driller. The United States government has just asked us to save the world. We're talking about space, right? Outer space? This is like deep blue hero stuff. I'm there. I'm with you. Beat me up, Scotty. I want all of you listening to know that everything that can be done to wage this terrible battle is being called into service. May we all see these events through with the courage worthy of this challenge. All right, flight directors, I want the go, no, go for launch. Booster, go flight. GMC, go flight. Hey, Harry, you know we're sitting on four million pounds of fuel, one nuclear weapon, and a thing that has 200,000 moving parts built by the lowest bidder. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? gentlemen you're warriors up there you're already heroes just sit back and enjoy the ride the dreams of an entire planet are focused on the 14 brave souls traveling into the heavens astronauts welcome to space it's about time i haven't thrown up in about an hour let's start praying about right now listen this is a kick-ass ride 
Touchstone Pictures presents Bruce Willis, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck, Will Patton, and Steve Buscemi. Just hold on! You don't have to worry about me and my team. We'll get the job done. A Jerry Bruckheimer production, directed by Michael Bay. All right, we're back, and we're talking. Michael Bay's Armageddon. One of the best movies ever fucking made. Probably the easiest pick that was ever picked for the Criterion Collection. You might notice that I'm talking about this movies now. And that's because um, I think this movie is really cool. So what is this movie about? Let me lay it down for you, baby. There's an asteroid. It's coming for Earth. And it's going to blow up the whole planet. And this, is re- this really sucks for the people down on Earth. So what are they going to do? Uh, NASA... Is going to fly up some uh, oil trigger, uh, riggers, and they're going to blow up the asteroid. And it's a pretty good plan, and I think it's going to work. And that's the whole movie. That's uh, Armageddon. And uh, I don't really have anything else to say, but that's that's the synopsis. Bruce Willis is in this movie, and Ben Affleck is in this movie, and Aerosmith is in this movie, and Eddie Griffith with a uh, French bulldog is in this movie. And it's a pretty cool movie. And uh, you could watch it with your girlfriend. And she would be like, oh, shit. They're going to blow up the planet. And then you guys could get real close and cuddle. Because it's pretty sad at the end. And everybody cried. And Bruce Willis is a real American hero. And then Aerosmith comes. And that's pretty cool, too. And that's Armageddon. All right. <laughs> what, what, I did it. <laughs> what was this character you were doing, this voice? This new, this new persona? I don't know, man. You really... I uh, wasn't expecting to do the recap. I got caught off guard, and this is who I am now. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Um, that's Armageddon. Mm-hmm. There's no aliens in this movie, which kind of is bullshit. So yeah, I mean, they could have could have easily put them a- in. There. Anything could have happened once they got to that asteroid. Anything, anything. They could have been like wild sex aliens, like uh, Michael Bay likes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you have anything to add, or did I pretty much nail it? End of episode. Um. Well, uh, where, where to begin? Um, should I could just read a uh, the essay? Uh, I actually I like this essay uh, that Janine okay. Basinger uh, wrote for the okay. uh, Criterion uh, release of Armageddon, spine mm-hmm. number forty. Yeah. Um. I'll just read that. <clears throat> sure. Despite what you may have heard. Armageddon is a work of art by a cutting-edge artist who is a master of movement, light, color, and shape, and also of chaos, razzle-dazzle, and explosion. It is it is no surprise to me to learn that as a 13-year-old, director Michael Bay blew up his toy train set with firecrackers so he could photograph the result with his bomb's 8mm camera. If he weren't mm-hmm. working in Hollywood, Bay would be the darling bad boy of the intelligentsia. As it is, he sometimes falls under suspicion for having been nominated for multiple MTV awards and for having won every accolade available to directors of commercials, including the Clio and the prestigious Directors Guild of America, quote, commercial director of the year, unquote, title. 
Armageddon is only his third movie, but it came under fire from some critics who had praised his second, The Rock, and for its same characteristics, fast-cutting, impressive special effects, and a minimum of exposition. The first time I saw Michael Bay, he was a polite 18-year-old who stopped by my office at uh, Wesleyane University to tell me he wanted to major in film studies. He also asked me if I would like to see his still photographs. As a teacher, I believe there's only one answer to that question. Of course, it's my job. Over the years, I've seen a great deal of material from freshmen. Short stories, novels, plays, ceramics, paintings, sculptures, prints, fashion designs, videos, computer art, movies in 8mm and 16mm, even recipe collections. But I have yet to see anything like Bay's high school photos. They were astonishing revealing an amazing eye for composition, an instinct for capturing movement, and an inherent understanding of implied narrative. Later, I saw this same ability in film classes. In history theory, he listened intently, but said little, speaking mostly to ask keen questions or to deal with what he felt was nonsense from his peers. But in film production classes, he was the roadrunner, taking off on his own, needing little guidance. His senior film, Benjamin's Birthday, won Wasteland's Frank Capra Prize for Best Film, and it was definitely what we now know as a Michael Bay film. It was funny, it was fast, and it featured a very ritzy yellow Porsche. It told its story clearly, but in a highly nonverbal manner. Bay was ahead of his age group, but he was also way ahead of his time. He still is. It is true that Armageddon, a perfect example of Bay's work, illustrates his take-no-prisoners form of storytelling, in which he trusts in an audience to figure things out. One of its strengths is its uh, minimum of dreadful exposition that overexplains the inevitable pseudoscience. Yes, it gives audiences a lot to absorb. Yes, it cuts quickly from place to place, person to person, event to event. But it is never confusing, never boring, and never less than a brilliant mixture of what movies are supposed to do. Tell a good story, depict characters through active events, invoke an emotional yeah. response, and entertain simply and directly without pretense. Armageddon is not for the faint-hearted, the slow-witted, or the dim-eyed. Those who claim that it was hard to tell where characters were in relation to each other in the space should take another look. Consider how the film explains what Harry Stamper's vacationing crew is doing when he sends out the word he needs them. In little more than one minute of screen time, five key characters are identified, established in a specific environment, shown relating to others, given distinct mm-hmm. personalities, and defined in ways that indicate how they will behave on their later mission. If that's not screening, if that's not screenwriting, what is? At its core, Armageddon is a genre picture, and like all genre pictures that arrive late in the cycle, it has been subjected to misinterpretation. Although it qualifies as a science fiction disaster movie, I see it as an epic form of the old Warner Brothers movies about working class men who have to step up and rescue a situation through their courage, true grit, and knowledge of machines. Productions such as Raoul Walsh's Manpower from 1941 and Alfred E. Green's Flowing Goal from 1940. The science fiction or disaster movie elements of Armageddon fit into the epic form, a form that exists to make movie stories we already know grander, larger, and more real in historic setting. Uh, A failed epic settles for the definition put forth in Nicholas Ray's 1950 uh, In a Lonely Place, a picture that's real long and has lots and lots going on. Armageddon is grand, large, and set at NASA, but the story of Stamper, his daughter, and his hard-living oil-driven buddies is the kind of movie that has previously been smaller and tighter. This film makes ordinary men noble, lifting their efforts up into an epic event. Here, working men are not only saving the over-educated scientists and politicians who can't do anything and who probably Mm. went to Yale and Harvard, but incidentally, the entire population of the planet. That's that. It's pretty pretty tight, man. Pretty tight. That's Armageddon. Oh shit, yeah. Yep. Do you, uh, <laughs> I, I like that essay. I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think between my synopsis and that essay, I think people probably know what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Asteroids, <laughs> oil triggers, triggers, <laughs> all that stuff. Words. So. 
words. Mm-hmm. Words are hard, man. Ask uh, Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's uh, uh-huh. let's let's do a breakdown. <clears throat> so this, right. this this movie opens up with Charlton Heston's voiceover narration. Uh, Charlton Heston never appears in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just his voice, and I. I and uh, the reason is he's he's got a great voice, as Michael Bay informs us on the commentary track. Um, yep. I kept thinking that like he showed up later, because uh, mm-hmm. so I saw this. Uh, I should mention uh, in theater, uh, probably in opening week during the summer. Yep. This was that was it was July first, nineteen ninety eight, yeah. when it came out, and I would have seen it that Fourth yeah. uh, of July weekend when this kicking off summer because I was still in uh, junior high. Good God, mm-hmm. um, yep. And then we get some cool. top of the line late 1990s CGI. The best. Um, and to me, this really felt kind of like how what, what direct-to-video movies look like now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that seems to be mm, overstating it because I think the movie as so. There's one thing I was reading about, and we'll get to this more about like Deep Impact came out the exact same year as this movie. Yep. And uh, I guess, like, one of the producers that Disney gave them, like, an extra $3 million to, like, spruce things up a little bit to give them more mm-hmm. of an edge over it. And I feel like there's times where, like, I could tell that, like, this seemed to be, like, an afterthought. But uh, according to what Michael Bay said when he uh, apparently was apologizing for Armageddon, like, mm-hmm. four years ago, I'll read that here. Uh, let's see here. I will apologize for Armageddon because we had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. Uh, Bay says it was a massive undertaking. That was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could, but the studio literally took the movie away from us. It was terrible. My visual effects supervisor had a nervous breakdown, so I had to be in charge of that. I called James Cameron and asked, what do you do when you're doing all the effects yourself? But the movie did fine. And it did because it made like half a Mm -hmm. billion dollars. Um, sure did yeah and it's, hey, uh, um i was gonna say that opening with the narrator i thought that was kurtwood smith oh yeah uh, and i even made a note i was like is that kurtwood smith D- and uh, then at the end of the movie i saw the credits and then my last note is oh no it was charlton heston and Crazy. uh did you know that kurtwood smith is in deep impact <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> what a weird coincidence what a strange thing to misunderstand <laughs> I so, honest, honest to God, I thought that was him. So okay, oh, I don't know. That's it's pretty Charlton Hestony. He's movie. He's about disaster movies and stuff. I guess towering. When he talks for like five seconds. Yep, and then he disappears. Um, yeah. So this movie, what really differentiates this film from being in the Criterion Collection is it has an mm-hmm. exploding title. <laughs> oh yeah, I I've always thought that most of the movies that we've everything we've covered so far would have been a lot better if its title had exploded mm-hmm. at the audience. So um, the one thing I became also very aware of quickly was the moving camera in this, in this uh, Michael Bay film. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the camera moves yeah. pretty much constantly. There's always a roving camera. It keeps up that kinetic flow, I guess, of things as we're navigating mm-hmm. the NASA space, which on the commentary track uh, with Michael Bay, he talks about how he went to the real NASA and how boring and unsexy it was and how all the like scientists look like scientists. And it's like, they don't look like the guys in this movie that just got, Mm -hmm. they're just people. They're just scientists. And like the building, it's like from the 50s, 60s. I'm not sure what he doesn't sound at all the way I'm sounding, but uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he had a sexy up NASA because that's what you do. Of course. Um, so yeah, we get the, uh, big hilarious explosion to kick things off with the, uh, mm-hmm. shuttle just exploding. 
Um, and then uh, my next note here was Michael Bay loves black people because there's one thing Michael Bay does. He certainly he, does. He, oh, he's got to get black people because they're funny. They're they're hilarious, RJ, in his movies. Wow. That's Why else would you cast Eddie Griffin and a uh, French bulldog to be in the the literally the first characters you meet in this movie? Mm-hmm. And how adorable they are until you think a fucking asteroid blows up that dog and you're just like, what the fuck? But he was OK. But hey, this and you're already skipping ahead here because uh, yeah. uh, Michael Bay, one of uh, the things he says at that scene is never you never, ever kill a dog. You must learn that as a Ooh. filmmaker. Dogs and kids, it's just a rule. And I'm like, oh, this is RJ speaking. Fucking right. You know, me and Michael Bay would probably be friends. Yeah. We'd hang out, drink beers, and arm wrestle and stuff. Fucking right. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I I only managed to, like, listen to, like, the first, like, half hour of the commentary track. I just ran out Ah. of time. But... His first thing is he says, Michael Bay's like, why is this part of the Criterion Collection? He never actually Mm -hmm. answers that. He just kind of says, it's like, well, uh, this movie took up a year of my life, and it's a lot of hard work making a film. He then describes filmmaking as uh, as war. It's war making a movie, and it's all worth it for what gets put up on the screen. And uh, he then later uh, talks about a screenwriter saying that your movie's got problems. Let me get, get, have a go at it. And the mm-hmm. guy wrote it. And Michael Bay just says, this is a piece of shit. I would uh, I would have walked out of the theater if this was a movie I was watching. Uh, I want to sit there and eat my popcorn. Mm-hmm. And he says, you've got to grab them by the balls. Fucking um, right, you do. Man, he's got it figured out. <laughs> he's got something. He does have something figured out. Um, out, yeah. uh, one thing I noticed right away too is uh, the credits start rolling up, and hey, screenplay co-written by one J.J. Abrams. That guy, just, that, that guy's too. Just, there's like uh, several people. I guess um, yeah, old, our buddy um, Bruckheimer, uh, who's responsible for this this stuff. He uh, he like had like several people come in on this and doctor it up and punch it up and yeah. do all that jazz. Um, yeah, uh, my next note here. Uh, the score is pretty awful. I really like some of this music is pretty stinko. Uh, like Wait. I don't know. It, it's like very like my comment about like direct video. Uh, mm-hmm. It kind of was like at times like the score is pretty bad. It gets better as the movie goes gets going like during like the big yeah. stuff, but like early mm-hmm. on it's like this is bad. Like I don't know. There's something about like that first bit with like Keith David getting into like cars and stuff like that, and they're chatting. It's like this and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the font that they were using for like mm-hmm. the credits. It all seems really like like a 2012 sci-fi movie, which is mm-hmm. fitting because those movies all probably are made with the movie Armageddon as an key influence on their making movies like this absolutely i was gonna say uh you must not have been watching the same movie because uh when the spaceship takes off there is some pretty gnarly guitar riffs <laughs> with like real metal and it's like real fast it's like and i was like yeah yeah we were I watching was like no rj we were watching the flexing. same movie <laughs> oh so you're just wrong okay my yeah my first compliment i will throw this film in Michael Bay. This is very well photographed, which mm-hmm. is typical Bay. Like, that's just, yeah. his movies look really good. Um, you got an eye. He, he, get, he has his cinematographers. Uh, I guess, like, he actually really is, like, he really directs his, cine- his cinematographers. Uh, so, I mean, his movies have that consistent look of very shiny commercials. Um, and everyone right. would wants their stuff to look like this. Um, mm-hmm. There's the line with the 
um, the amateur, um, I whatever you call him, guy looking at the sky. Uh, he, ref- he he gives it its name. She says because mm-hmm. it names it after his wife because she's a life sucking bitch for which there is no <laughs> escape. Because take that marriage. Yeah, women. <laughs> um, and of course, it's a amateur who finds the asteroid, mm-hmm. not NASA. NASA. Um, would this become this, this idea of like the the working man, the mm-hmm. amateur, uh, are somehow like always out out thinking uh, the experts. That's that's a common thing. I have an answer for this because I thought the same thing. I was like, how did they not see it when those asteroids well, came? The but they address, in, yes. they address all the loose ends, Jarrett. No. There's an answer to fucking everything. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's not go there yet. We're building. Okay. We're going to get there. Okay. Um, so we get the president mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we get one of my favorite bits in this like fucking movie is like they start like explaining what this asteroid is to him blah 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 oh i'm i'm a fucking expert and i talk in science mm-hmm. and the president responds enough of this anomaly bullshit <laughs> and then we got mm-hmm. all old shit kicker billy bob because he's from texas where things are bigger yeah. and he says it's the size of texas and we get a my god you you know what else he says which i wrote down which i thought was really funny was he said it's a global killer and I was like, that's a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. A global killer? No. Yep. Weird. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob is cool. Billy, I yeah. like Billy. Well, he's uh, salt of the earth. Yep, salt of the earth. That's his whole movie, baby. Salt of the um, earth. My very next comment is, mm-hmm. fuck the working class. <laughs> Aw. They're the backbone of America, Jer. Uh, they're making it great again. Bruce Willis and his dyed blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So we, we get all the setup and now we're onto an oil rig where Bruce Willis is shooting golf balls at a Greenpeace tanker. Yeah, you um, know what I wrote down at that moment? What did you write down? Take that, you fucking hippies. Yeah. <laughs> See, I actually wrote out laughter. <laughs> and uh, this is where on the commentary track, Michael Bay talks about how at that scene, people cheered. And then he starts complaining yeah. about Greenpeace using fuel on their boat to like fuel their thing about oil. And isn't that ironic? Greenpeace is garbage. Fuck the earth, yep. baby. Mm-hmm. Even though we're Take trying that. to, even though we're trying to save it, we're trying to save it from an asteroid colliding into it, so we can ruin it ourselves in our own goddamn time. That's our God-given right, Jer. God-given right. That's right. Okay. And so from this point forward, uh, we have Bruce Willis. Going to find AJ, that damn AJ, played by AJ. one Ben Affleck, who uh, I yeah. learned uh, had just had his teeth capped for this role. Oh, all, all, all his teeth were capped because he probably had rotten Bostonian teeth, and now and now he was moving toward being a real movie star. And so he, he better have yeah. uh, those teeth. Michael Bay is a uh, perfectionist and only wants beautiful things mm-hmm. in his films. Um, and it turns mm-hmm. out, because uh, AJ had like whatever it was, he set a drill going when it shouldn't have been going. Blah blah blah. Oh, but he's banging his daughter. He's, he's yeah. banging Liv Tyler. And then we get a sequence that uh, I described as attempted murder, but it's fun because funny music's playing and it's all hokey yeah. and soul of the earth, RJ, and down down home Fuck style. Me. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's attempted murder. And like putting like the risk of like all his men around as he's firing <laughs> a yeah, live ammunition. Yeah, because he could have blew up the whole fucking rig. Everyone could have died and that would have been the end. 
and yeah. we'd all you, be screwed because of you, of Bruce Willis's of hair of Harry Stamper's uh, uh, crazy, show of like, masculinity like Facebook meme rage. Yeah. I I have two things to say there. It's like that's one. Bruce Willis is like the ultimate American dad in this movie. He's like shotgun dad. He'll chase off all the boyfriends from the kids, but he'll be a good dad at the same time. And like that's his whole like point. But as you said, they playfully kind of like joke around that he's going to kill him. They also drop a pretty playful or playful thing that comes up a lot of the time Mm -hmm. with uh, Steve Buscemi's character, uh, who is basically not even borderline. It's it's mentioned enough times that you're pretty confident he's like a child molester because he's well, quag, because, he's, he's Quagmire, right? Like, yeah, but it's but, but he's a like, genius as he explicitly states. Yeah. <laughs> but they they talk about like uh, there's talk about like showing her how to use tampons and you're like, "Oh, that's weird." And then later there's talk where he's the police are there and he's like, "I don't he's like, "How old are you?" And like there's this like not a child molester, but like you, you, it's pretty some, clear. It's like he's running, rape. He, he's got some statutory rape. Uh, he's got a few, few cases. So, uh, and, but, but funny. they make it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because it's Steve Buscemi and he's weird looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Classic. So my, my note here, firing weapons on an oil rig seems like poor judgment. Um, yeah, I think it probably would, but I get oh. crazy. Willie probably put yeah. him up to it. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. Um, AJ gets nicked on his leg from some ricochet and uh, he's fired. And that's that's it for then. Uh, then we, we transition to more Billy Bob. Uh, we get like kind of like the um, Dr. McCoy, um, Shatner, uh, Kirk like style, like science exchanges where it's like blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like too much hot air in a balloon. <laughs> We get that sort of thing because lowest common denominator. Yeah. Don't let the people think too much. Let's just strip it all down because mm-hmm. they're all coming up with ideas to like, how do we solve this giant asteroid hitting the planet problem? Um, right. And of course, everyone stops when the very serious British man talking about astrophysics steps in there because he's British, which means intelligent. It's a good thing that we have That's a true. And, and like at this point, I'm like, oh yeah, because we all know that once uh, old. Harry shows up, he's going to have to dress down this very pretentious sounding British man telling us mm-hmm. how to live our lives. Um, Fucking right. My next comment is Liv Tyler is really shitty. Um, she is, yeah. uh, she is the worst. I think mm-hmm. she, she is the worst actress of the Criterion collection creep so far. I, I can't think of mm. anyone that's like this bad. Like she sucks. It's like so she, far. So this, far, there there point. will be worse. There will I, I, be worse, but the... she, I don't know. Like probably, maybe she's really bad. Um, yeah, she's yeah. she she can't talk. Like everything there's, is she yeah. like, every line like, like that. <laughs> there's a yeah, she's pretty bad. There's one scene like before Bruce Willis leaves. It's just them two. It's fucking painful. Yeah, it's really bad because you can tell neither of them give a shit. Neither of them wants to be there. Mm-hmm. They're like whatever. So. Yeah, she's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get uh, Bruce. Bruce saying, six billion people on this planet. Why do you call me? Because of course, of course. Fucking right. Um, yeah. Bruce Willis's character does not seem like the kind of man who builds these sorts of designs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the great bit here where uh, uh, Ben Affleck on the commentary 
who's just like laughing at this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, hey, um, Michael Bay, like, th- th- why is it like easier to train eight drillers to like go to space than it is for uh, eight astronauts, eight astronauts to, drill. to drill a hole? And I believe uh, Michael Bay's response was, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Michael, why it was easier to train oil drillers to become astronauts than it was to train astronauts to become oil drillers, and he told me to shut, shut, shut the fuck up. So that that was the end of that talk. Yeah. So, like, I, so I, I didn't, RJ. That. I didn't know you directed this movie. I didn't know you're yeah. Michael Bay. I am Michael Bay. I would have told Ben Affleck the same thing. It's like because, <laughs> like, know. apparently, like, it was like when they were filming. He's like, Ben Affleck was just like, "How is this a good plan?" And he's like, "Shut the fuck up! Just shut, shut like, up! Shut up!" Yeah, I, I guess he also he's like he's like we based it off of like real plans, and, then, and like Ben Affleck, they, like he's laughing while he says this. Yeah. He's like, "That's a real fucking plan. That's shut a up. real plan shut NASA up. has to fucking train riggers to go to space." And he's just like laughing. He's like, yeah. "I couldn't believe this shit." He's like, you know, Ben, just shut up, okay? You know, this is a real plan, all right? I was like, you mean it's a real plan at NASA to train oil drillers? He was like, just shut your mouth. <laughs> and then, like, he goes on for, like, three minutes talking about how dumb it is. He's like, and now here Bruce Willis is going to come in here and talk down all these guys because of how stupid or how overly smart they are and what a great plan it is. He's like, man, the science is great. Um, that, you know, this like yeah. past week, I saw this like amazing photograph. Um, like when you first look at it, it looks like just like the, like kind of like the skin of something with some hair coming out of it. Yeah. But what it is, is it's actually like, it's shot from like, who knows, like from a satellite, but what it is, it's just a, it's a rocket ship and it's just shooting mm-hmm. out past the clouds. And it's just like done at this thing where it looks like a hair because of this thin little trail of smoke. And the, at the very tip of yep. it, you see this rocket ship. It's this amazing image that really like recalls like the sublime and like just like human achievement to do these things. But because, you know, people who build rocket ships, they, they suddenly can't build the drill properly. They can't read the instructions of yeah. like a fucking driller. It's so fucking dumb. Like it, it's like amazing, yep. but whatever. Uh, it's it, This is a movie about uh, getting these working class characters up on the planet to blow her up because we'll leave that business to mm-hmm. that deep impact movie that came out a few uh, months earlier. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, we get the scene where a uh, serious British man gets dumped on by Bruce Willis and his shitty mm-hmm. accent. Um, and then, of course, we get uh, one of the great, great moments in this film for me uh, this great dialogue. You know, drilling's a science. Mm-hmm. It's an art. I'm a third mm-hmm. generation driller doing it all my life, and I still haven't got it all figured out. Now, I assume you sent for me because somebody told you I was the best. Well, I'm only the best because I work with the best. You don't trust the man you're working with, you're as good as dead. And that's how you get the ragtag team intro. Um, which. It's pretty good, Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's the one that, like, I totally forgot owen wilson was in this movie in fact yeah for like uh, a uh, minute well it's so funny because like you get the scene with him like riding the horse like with against like the the sunset and the helicopter coming Mm -hmm. over and you get one shot of his like close-up in like his face like looking confused and scared and then like it cuts back to this like man riding a horse in the silhouette and like 
then you get him he gets a couple lines later when they're going through uh the physical stuff and then he died mm-hmm. and i don't even remember where he died in this movie i have no idea where he died i for, I, I, didn't, I, know. I i forgot he died in this movie until i see his photo at the very end but anyway that's neither here nor there we'll we'll get there buddy yeah. i uh i remember he died mm-hmm. i thought he was the guy in the armadillo that got blowed up oh, but that's not true that's fatty he was he was in the sister ship that uh, crash landed and uh, I'm pretty sure he just dies off screen. Yep. So, yep. So, but that was before he was like um, household fame, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's so, superstar Owen Wilson. I bet. Well, I bet if you showed a picture to like people, four out of five would be like, "Yeah, I know him." Yeah, I don't even see. He's like he bums me out. He's like suicidal mm. and stuff. Poor Owen. Huh. Yeah. Poor poor O. Well, at least oh. he has Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan. That's a good movie. <laughs> My next line is, okay, now we get to the physicals, and I wrote, shoving things up people's asses. Ha, ha, yeah. ha, ha. That's, like, the funniest thing that could happen to a man. It is. Is to, is to have fingers put up your butt. And then, oh, but it's also funny because it's a black woman shoving things up people's mm-hmm. butts because black people are hey. hilarious and sassy. Talk about a power switch, am I right? Yeah. Take that, um, Wade America. And then we had a uh, a Criterion Creeps alumni uh, appear mm. in our uh, in our Michael Bay film. Udo Kier yep. uh, mm-hmm. pops up as the like psychiatrist, I guess, doing the yep. I don't know, a reading on all these the folk. psych evaluation. I think he I think he gets a line, one line. Yeah, he has one line. Yep. Yep. Um, and then we get uh, fuck this. I hate this line so much. Talk about having the wrong stuff. Oh, when they're walking and it, it, like the close-ups on the fat guy. Boo! Yeah. You uh, you you really glossed over how hot Michael Clark Duncan is during that whole montage of uh, the evaluations. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one. You get him in a beefy. spaghetti strap tank top, and then sec or a second occurrence, he rips off his gown and he's in like a cheetah print speedo and he's dancing. It's pretty hot, man. It's- I, I don't bring I don't bring up Michael Clark Duncan because uh, you're bringing it up makes me sad because he's dead. Yeah, the king. But he's hot in Armageddon. King, the kingpin's dead. Yeah, Green Mile's dead. Yeah, well, he's hot here. So yeah. Anyways, talk okay. about the wrong stuff. Okay, so yeah, fuck. <laughs> uh, there, there's another like uh, bit in the commentary track uh, that's like when they're like launching off into space, where like Michael Bay's just going off about like how like mm-hmm. they got these amazing th- these shots on the like on a like shuttle launch pad. And he's like, this this is so rare. No one ever gets on this area. No one gets that. And he was talking about that at the oil rig too. He's like, this, this, these are just such rare yeah. shots. Like no one. Gets, it's like I don't know, who cares gives a fuck i don't care like it's a set like the rest of your movie is like sets it's like no one's ever shot on an asteroid before it's like no no <laughs> who cares i know he, it, he's painting a picture for you jerry yeah just accept it um, for what it so is all i remember really about this movie all like what 20 years almost after the fact um uh, is william fitchner this is probably the first movie i ever saw with william fitchner mm-hmm. uh being like the government stooge um and being like the guy who turns on him and pulls a gun and stuff like that um yeah. and here he is being the expert telling the working class how not to lose their mind uh, mm-hmm. Which of course, like oh oh, space madness gets introduced, and then of course I remember oh yeah, Steve Buscemi gets space madness later too. 
I couldn't fucking believe that. I wrote it down in all capitals because there's a scene where Steve, Steve Buscemi shooting the fucking turret gun on the armadillo, which, by the way, <laughs> the, why the fuck? Oh, okay, was, okay, slow down. Hey, why, now. Is there we're, machine, we're, why is there a okay, Gatling gun? Oh, okay, okay, we'll get there. We'll get uh, there. Yeah. No rush, baby. Okay, okay no rush. but I, want, I wanted to say, because you brought it up and his line, quote, is he's got space dementia. And with all earnesty and all like totally sincere, he's like he's got space dementia. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. So okay. continue. At, at this point, I remember like at this from this period of time, like one of the like the shellacking that this movie got from like people yeah. and critics or whatever is that oh the movie's ridiculous science. The science doesn't hold up. And if you like search up Armageddon, there's like these like fucking articles about like the science is comical. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like I like couldn't even remotely care less about that at all. I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there right now. Yeah, I think that's um, a horseshit to use that example. It's like yeah. I said, uh, oh. because like Eternal Sunshine is my favorite movie, but I mean that's yeah. not really and that's, that's not science. fucking yeah scientifically accurate. Who cares? Yeah, it's science fiction or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so there's like here's a scene that I was like, what? The, what is this? So why on earth mm-hmm. is Bruce Willis burying him and his fellow roughnecks when it comes to who his daughter marries? So there's this thing where he's like, I don't want my daughter just to marry another roughneck like AJ. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's like she's better than that. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This is a movie about the celebration of like mm-hmm. this like culture of this like this right. type of American. And suddenly it's like, I want better for my daughter. And it's like, well, all I can imagine is that he wants better for his daughter, but then he'll just like bust that guy's balls all the time mm-hmm. about how he's not a real man. And it's like, I can't just have him marry another guy like me. It's like, I, I don't, it's so like, that's the cliche. It's a cliche mm-hmm. and it doesn't actually like make sense with like what this movie's presenting. Like you'd think that he would want yeah. him to marry a guy like him and mm-hmm. not like some stuffed shirt guy from Yale or Harvard. Mm-hmm. Right. No, you're right. Uh, the theme of the movie is contrary to that statement, but he does. They try to explain it at a point where he's just like, he's like, yeah, we're all good dudes, but she's an angel. Mm-hmm. She she deserved the best. So I kind of get what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'd like to uh, reenact the scene uh, oh. referred to as the animal cracker scene. Oh <laughs> shit! <clears throat> you know what I was thinking. What? Mm-hmm. I really don't think that the animal cracker qualifies as a cracker. Why? Well, because it's sweet, which to me suggests cookie. And you know, I mean, putting cheese on something is sort of a defining characteristic of what makes a cracker a cracker. I don't know why I thought of that. I just, baby, you have such sweet pillow talk. I got a little animal cracker Discovery Channel thing happening right here. Affects Australian accent. Watch the gazelle as he grazes through the open plains. Now, look as the cheetah approaches. Watch as he stalks his prey. Now the gazelle is a little spooked. He could head north to the ample sustenance provided by the mountainous peaks above, or he could go south to her vagina. The gazelle now faces man's most perilous question. North, her tits, or south, her vagina. Way down under. Tune in next week. Baby... Do you think it's possible that anyone else in the world is doing this very same thing at this very same moment? I hope so. Otherwise, what the hell are we trying to save? Mm-hmm. And then 50,000 people in Shanghai are dead. <laughs> you know what, dear? Yes. I can understand <laughs> where you could find fault in that situation. Okay, okay, okay. But you know what? It paints a nice image or idea that you know these 
you know, everyone has these kinds of thoughts. There's a whole thing subreddit that's just shower thoughts, and it's the same thing where it's like, you know, an animal cracker is really more of a cookie, baby. And you know what? I bet other people have had those same thoughts in those same situations. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get you, Michael Bay. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, other than that junk science I mentioned not giving a crap about, the other thing this movie gets a ton of shit for, and mm-hmm. like Michael Bay gets a sh- ton of shit for it for like ever for those Transformers yeah. movies, which I've never seen, is the editing. And um, mm-hmm. all I can say is... Um, as much as I'm not a fan of this editing, mm-hmm. it like has become so like has permeated all like movies, like these types of movies, like right. everything looks like this. Like I'm pretty sure that Marvel movies have like just this sort of like crazy intense um, editing, but like I right. think people have just become immune to it. Maybe back in mm-hmm. 1998, people were just like not used to it, and now it's like served up, and it's even more intense. And mm-hmm. now it's like it's kind of novel going back and watching this like 20 year old like summer blockbuster yeah. movie with this obnoxious editing style and the Michael mm-hmm. Bayisms like zooming in cameras and chop 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 chop. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want? notice at all. Yeah, like I said, like I'm only aware of this because like you like read those like the Roger Ebert uh, review and like mm-hmm. the him and Siskel and Ebert uh, talking about this movie. Well, we saw the same picture, but my thumb is way down. I wanted to escape from this movie. I didn't I care if the asteroid hit hit the Earth or not. I was afraid the movie was going to hit me. And you know, yeah, it it's you. cut. So quickly Absolutely. that there's no uh, a stretch of action that makes any sense or is comprehensible in any way. This movie, the entire movie, is cut together like a coming attractions trailer. Yeah, no question. And it was bewildering. Or, or, or the TV and it, ad for the film. And it was aggressive and it was assaulting and it was too noisy. And I like The Rock. I gave The Rock thumbs oh, you up. Did? Okay. But this film to me, doesn't have any kind of an arc or any kind of dramatic interest. And when it stops for drama, like when they're all saying goodbye to oh, each yeah. other, before, you know, like seconds are ticking down. If they don't get that bomb ready in another 20 seconds, the earth ends, and they're saying goodbye to each other on television. Me, I couldn't understand that. Let me give people one piece of advice. If you go to a multiplex and it has Armageddon in it, do not go to a movie next door because oh, there will be tre- down. there will be tremendous audio yeah. bleed. It's, it's, it's all yeah. yeah. really well. I, it, it was too much for me. I, I just felt that it was. Uh, but I was smiling. Overkill. Okay. okay. A strange split vote on Armageddon. The film Sound and Fury eventually won me over in a laughing way, but Roger disliked it for exactly the same reason. I mean, it's hilarious watching this stuff now. Like, things just exploding. Yeah. Like, it's funny. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn mm-hmm. sense. But, like, it's, like, hardly, like, you can't even criticize it anymore, which I guess is, like, unfortunate because it's, like, yeah. oh, it's become, like, that's what it is now. It's just this. Yeah. Um, fun piece of trivia I'll throw out there right now. Bruce Willis won a Razzie for Worst Actor for this, Siege and Mercury Rising, both from 1998. Um, he, is far he, is away, he is far and away the worst actor in this movie. Like, no, sorry, I... That's not the right thing. Uh, he's far from being the worst actor in this movie alone. Yeah, like, he's yeah. he is like typical. Like I like he's like he's not he's exactly what I expect. No, but like mm-hmm. what's bullshit is that the definitely the worst actor in this film, Liv Tyler, wasn't even nominated for like mm. worst actress. Though her and Big Ben were nominated for worst couple, but lost mm-hmm. to Leonardo DiCaprio, who uh, playing against himself in The Man in the Iron Mask. 
Come on. <laughs> See, Raz- Razzies, Razzies are, are bullshit. bullshit. Yeah, yeah, they are complete bullshit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll, show, I'll throw it to the highest grossing film of 1998, Armageddon. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, we, we get off the planet. We get awkward uh, leaving on a jet plane. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, we get Peter Stormare as a Russian cosmonaut. And yeah. th- th- this was the first time I was like, oh, cool. Like that was that was nice. I like this part yeah. of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. where this is exactly the halfway mark, an hour and fifteen minutes in, and then literally anything could be happening right now after the space station goes crazy and starts exploding because of mm-hmm. asteroids. I don't even know what happens. Like at this no. point, there's something just like <laughs> it, it. Just like I have no idea what happened. Um, but it's like it's such like it becomes like oh this is the movie that uh I've I've hated like for years is just mm-hmm. like what the fuck is this like there's like, there's an easy explanation Jared as yes. Peter Stormare says yeah American astronauts Russian cosmonauts made in Taiwan what is this bullshit so even a bigger message is by American. Um, because uh, those Asians don't know how to make rocket ships. That's why it fucking blows up. It's because there's like a fueling problem or something, and the equipment malfunctions. Okay, it's got <laughs> nothing to do with asteroids. Nothing. Okay, nothing. I, I I just had no idea what happened, and it's just like this huge action action yep. sequence out of nowhere, and it's like oh, because mm-hmm. we had to have an action sequence, and then like my favorite is the shot of like the exploding space shuttle as the two shuttles go flying out of the blast yeah. of it. No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's no. so good. Um, and of course, they wrote, "How can one not just like burst out laughing at how intensely dumb this all is?" Um, and yeah, when it mm. just becomes nonstop action movie, my interest just drops right off for this movie. Um, uh, no fun, like, Duncan. At least again. the first half, as as we've been talking about this movie for like over a half hour, uh, means like I yeah. I I have a lot of notes for this movie. Um, yeah, I have like pages of notes that I was writing about this. Um, Yep. what you're hearing right now and mm-hmm. uh yeah so like just like when it becomes action movie shit i'm just like yeah i don't care like, i check out none of it matters to me um i laughed at the names of the shuttle <laughs> the shuttles the freedom ever <laughs> freedom and independence honestly what else could they have been called though based on this whole movie as a whole i uh, no kidding um, right. so then we get, uh, at this point, uh, I started looking up trivia for the film. Uh, the budget oh. for this movie was $140 million in 1998 adjusted for inflation. That would cost 210 million. Now it's pretty modest still. That's pretty typical for these type of movies yeah. now, which is ridiculous. Um, and then of course we get <laughs> this great exchange. Captain America blew the landing by 26 miles. How you know that? Because I'm a genius. Thank mm-hmm. you, Steve Buscemi. Um, yep. and then we have mounted Gatling gun on my space rover, um, which doesn't make sense. Why, why would you have that on your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, unless, unless, like I mentioned earlier, why, unless they wanted to put like an alien on that asteroid or something. And then like, they could have explained it. Like, we don't know what we're going to see up there. Things could get scary. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's a need for the gun. Um, like in uh, the Alien franchise, which I just watched. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're like, this isn't uh, like in Prometheus, uh, Nomi Rapace or whatever her name is, she was like, this is a scientific expedition because the man's got a huge machine gun. And he's like, you don't know what we're going to see out there. Could be scary. Mm-hmm. So um, that would have been an explanation, but they just chose not to include it at all. And just because they wanted a scene later where Steve Buscemi had space dementia. 
<laughs> so, which to honestly, like, cut all of that shit out, and that's like fifteen minutes you save, man. Yeah. From this two and a half hour movie. Two and a half hours long. And like, it is yep. like, yeah, the second half is just the space stuff. Like, and it's just, yep. ugh. So, uh, then we get the hilarious line of like, after William Fitchner pulls the gun, because mm-hmm. the the, government's, yep. the the government that you can't trust, uh, they're going yep. to like, fucking blow up the asteroid. You can trust Billy Bob because he's Texan, but you can't trust the government. You can't because you know they're no good. They're mm-hmm. they're they're on their own up to their own tricks. They have their own agenda. They don't care about the common man. Um, yeah. And then of course that you get the hilarious line: "What are you doing with a gun in space?" To William Fisher who's building guns, like we just saw a Gatlin gun, <laughs> like on your ships. Yeah, like, like, what, this is new. Um, but, but then they yeah. con- they convince uh, William Fitchner to go along with them because they're they're they, they're we're going to save the world, baby. Yeah. Um, you know what's one thing I'd I'd like to mention quickly yes. while we're on this scene. Yeah. Uh, so this is the scene where the nuke uh, arms itself, and they're like, "Whoa!" And uh, Bruce Willis's plan to disarm the nuke is to hit it with a huge wrench. Yeah. Because that's gonna that's gonna turn off the nuke. Well, I watched that and I was like, "What?" All he knows how to do is hit things with the wrenches and, like, like, and put holes in the ground. We need specialized it's like an people. Ar- it's an armed nuclear weapon. Like, what the fuck are you gonna do by hitting it with a mm. wrench? Bizarre. Yeah, Anyways, it's, it's almost like elect. You, it's almost like electing somebody who doesn't yeah. know about things to like have yeah. power over nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so now you, we get uh, Steve Buscemi and, and his space madness, yeah. much delivered, as he just starts mm-hmm. firing off into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Here's my. Uh, so legit, one of the greatest signs your movie is fucking garbage is when your heroes jump their space buggy off a ramp across a great chasm. Yeah. See also Star Trek Nemesis. Nice. I like that. Um, see, I, fuck, God damn it. Like that mm-hmm. is just like, just, <laughs> just so fucking endless. It's just like, so, or who is it? It's Michael yeah. Clark Duncan, Ben Affleck, and uh, uh, Cosmonaut. Peter Stormer. Yep. yep. They're, uh, their ship that you think's crashed uh, and everyone's dead. They're, they're, mm-hmm. They lived and their bug, their uh, space buggy survived. And they're going to get where they need to be and they start driving along. Mm-hmm. And then they reach a giant cannon on this, uh, like it could be anywhere, this like asteroid. It has gravity yep. of its own and everything. It's kind of amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And then they decide, well, it's got some gravity, but we can jump this and we'll just float to safety. And it does. But it's just like an excuse for this endless fucking boring scene of them just flying through space and crashing through stuff and yelling and the music's dramatic mm-hmm. and just flying through space and it's endless. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I, again, I can't help but start laughing at like right. this scene. Like, it's just so fucking stupid. And it's like, this movie, it's like, what, what am I doing? <laughs> Oh, you're that, watching next, next note, cinema. Fat guy is dead. R.I.P. Max. Um, R.I.P. But it's fine because he's fat. His life isn't worth as much because it's a Michael Bay movie. But he um, got that sweet mom tattoo, so you know he was a sweetheart. Okay. Next up, uh, so now we're getting like pieces breaking and hitting Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. The wiping out of Paris is just the worst kind of shit. Um, it reminded me a lot in X-Men Apocalypse when Apocalypse just wipes uh, out Cairo and it's just yeah. gone. It's just like this like shot of like, it's just like the thing that people make fun of with, they make fun of these movies of just like monuments blowing up. It's all Independence yep. Day's fault. Um, but they're just like, mm-hmm. whatever, Paris is gone now. Who cares? It's just like it's Shanghai, Chinese people suck, French suck. <laughs> fuck fuck yep. them all, right? Um, yeah. 
And then my next note here is Liv Tyler sucks so much in all caps. Uh, <laughs> you, yeah, she's you, not great. She's like, all she's doing is moping around and crying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And crying some more and then they, there's the big plan now finally we're going to drill this hole and nuke the goddamn asteroid fucking right and then I write sacrifice <gasps> no Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis really spend so little time together for this to be necessary and like yeah I, it's just like I don't know it's it seems so unearned I've heard people like talk about like how they cry and like they wept at this movie I've Fuck heard this yeah. for I've heard this and read this like on letterbox and people just talk about like it gets you and I'm just like mm-hmm. well yeah because like everything is there to manipulate it into you like the music like music has that power mm-hmm. like to like really get in mo- like when it's used well um you can manipulate you to feel things. It's not like because the stories like moved you. It's kind of like, oh, it's that scene now. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I see the exact same tricks be used in Deep Impact, um, which I also yeah. watched. And Bruce Willis saved us all. And yeah. I finally write an ode to the working class. But I go back to my comment, fuck the working class. Um, mm. <laughs> you, you, you miss how much of an American hero he is, man. Uh, you, really, you really miss it. Yeah. Um, so, is that the end of your notes? Uh, yeah. That's my that's that was my notes for the movie that we ran through. I, I have a couple. Okay. That I haven't mentioned yet. Okay. Um, one I'll just reiterate: Bruce Willis is a goddamn American hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I think is really funny and doesn't make any sense is when they like leave Bruce Willis to detonate the bomb and they start to go and it hasn't gone yet. William Fitcher's like, William Fitcher is like, uh, we'll go back. We'll do it ourselves. <laughs> we'll go back. It's like, what? It's like, but you only have like five seconds to do it. It's like, what yeah. do you mean? You'll go back. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. That's really weird. Um, and then it was at this point where the asteroid was coming towards earth that I was like, Hey, wasn't that the plan of like the bugs in starship troopers? To like hurl asteroids at Earth, isn't that like what kicks that movie off? Uh, and didn't Starship Troopers come out like a year before Armageddon? Uh, I don't know. Probably. You look that up. I'll keep going. Um, okay. uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think this movie does a good job addressing loose ends because the asteroids blow up and then. You, the audience is left thinking, what about like smaller pieces? Isn't that what got them in trouble in the first place? And then one scientist is like, most of the small particles have been vaporized by the atmosphere. Except for the one size like, of yeah. basketballs that do get through. Yeah, that do get through. Yeah, <laughs> Somehow. Somehow. And you're like, yeah. And then I wrote, uh, what a triumphant fucking ending with a su- super sweet explosion. Uh, because you're just like, yeah, you did it, Bruce Willis. You're, you're a real American hero. And then you get such nice shots of, like, the kids with spaceships and the dilapidated USA mm. and, like, JFK images and stuff like that. Oh, and you're just like, fuck yeah, USA. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's the one yeah. I, I posted on Instagram where it's, like, a total lift from uh, a Robert Frank photo. Of, that's, like, that photo of, like, the t- like people, like, looking out their windows with the American flag draped over it. That is, a, that is a photo that's, like, supposed to, like, reflect the alienation of the American people in, like, a about people yeah. being left behind and forgotten about. And now we're 
we're just going to lift that shot and we're going to show about how awesome America is. Fuck yeah. Because America, fuck the French, fuck the Chinese, (laughs) fuck intelligent people. Um, Nuclear weapons are the solution. In fact, there's the, I didn't even talk about this, but the president, I can, I was imagining um, the, the, the orange president currently in office uh, reading that same line and just like talking about like how great the military complex was because like all these wars were worth it because it turns out those are the things that are going to save us now. That's the, that's the sort of movie this is. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, Michael Bay goes on to like make, movies like uh th- th- that Benghazi movie mm-hmm. and it's like oh I know where his politics lie right so yeah Michael Bay is a gross dude uh politically um he knows My best friend he's your best friend um <laughs> so I don't know in, in case it hasn't been clear from my tone talking about this movie listeners mm-hmm. uh I don't much care for this movie um, I think it's fair. I mean, in a lot of ways, I find it just repugnant. Like, just like from a yeah. like the from a story point, like just everything about it, like the, where the place it's coming from, it's really mm-hmm. gross. Um, uh, I I hate it. I hate movies mm-hmm. like this. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't say like it was a waste of time. Um, I would yep. I will never watch this movie again. It's not my idea of a good time. It's not for me. Um, sure. I mean, Michael Bay, like his influence is like. <laughs> It's fairly significant, I'd say, in mm-hmm. like how movies are made now. Uh, I I don't think it really. I don't really see how it fits into the Criterion Collection purview. Like I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I guess, which is like, right. which is whatever. I don't like. There's like movies that like fit into it that are like, I in some mm-hmm. ways you could say not even as good, like well made or like you know big stars and stuff like that. It's like such a different movie. Like we didn't need to, like to get this movie released. Oh, and I'll throw mm-hmm. out there. So the Criterion DVD, uh, which I was able to borrow from my friend, uh, Corey. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, Corey, uh, for uh, who bought it used uh, at a pawn shop. And his plan with this is to take it out to the gun range and blow it up. Aww. <laughs> uh, blow Don't it do that. Well, see, part of the problem with this DVD is that it uh, – the movie presentation is non-anamorphic, which is bullshit. What does that even mean? Uh, it's crap. It's like a postage stamp on your TV. It's just unnecessary. So uh, mm-hmm. I got this mostly just to listen to the commentary tracks and stuff like that, which I got a good laugh out of. There's this really great bit mm-hmm. that uh, actually seems like this movie got some like weird like uh, attention last summer. Like all these articles were running with like Ben Affleck tease off on Armageddon, and then keeps saying how much he hates the movie. But it's like no, he's just like making fun of it, like. Because you'd have yeah. you have to make fun of this movie, um, and so there's like some good bits, but there's this one that I've always remembered was like uh, Michael Bay going off about uh, spacesuits. I think the biggest nightmare of the entire shoot was uh, three weeks before first day of principal photography. I went to see the spacesuits after I signed off on many, many, many drawings and and samples and whatnot, and I went to see it for the first time, and I realized it looked like an Adidas jogging suit on a rack. That's where I almost killed myself, because if you don't have cool spacesuits, your entire movie is just screwed, bottom line. I mean, people have seen so many space movies, and if you have a lame spacesuit, it's like it's over. The image was so bad that day, I walk around the corner, and I see this woman painting a leather glove gray, and she had some rubber, like, sewn on to the knuckles. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? She goes, it's a space glove. I said, no, it's not. It looks like a gardening glove you're painting gray. It was a glove they bought at a gardening store, okay, and they were putting on rubber things. So right then and there, I called my line producer, Jimmy, and I said, Jimmy, we are so fucked. And uh, Jimmy goes, 
Mike, we're not fucked. They're, you're just saying that. I'm like, Jimmy, get down here. Drop whatever you're doing right now and get down here. We had a major problem with our spacesuit because our designer was French. And she had done things with Luc Brisson, but they do things very differently in France. They're very more the artiste. This is not big American movie making, where if you don't have a spacesuit that works for a big fucking movie star, you are fucked. All right, I'm sorry for the language, but this is what goes through your mind because your entire movie hinges on these suits. And uh, what she was doing is she was holding too much of this on her own. And there are people around Hollywood that are experts. They're experts, spacesuit helmet designers, or experts that design just body suits. And it's a very specialized craft. It was one of our major problem spots of the entire movie. And luckily, we got rid of it right before principal photography. But. Uh, I think we must have spent a million and a half dollars on these spacesuits trying to design them. Mm-hmm. And just like talking about like, you have to have fucking awesome spacesuits. Your movie's fucked. You're fucked if you don't have good spacesuits. Because that's the sort of guy he is. He's focused on yeah. those types of details uh, more mm-hmm. than, um, I don't know, story. Because he doesn't give a shit. He's, and he's yeah. kind of right. I get it. He's, he's, he's right for the most part, which yeah. is like why I'm like, eh, yeah, this is like base nature shit uh, that yeah. we don't need more of this in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, I get it. So, uh, one the other thing that I did glean from the commentary track with old Michael Bay is uh, he did see a deep impact. He went to the opening, Ooh. and uh, I mean, he's pretty like fine with like fair to the movie. He's just kind of like, eh, this is like totally different from the movie I made. Um, yeah. I think my movie's going to do better. Like, I think it's going to touch more people. Because this commentary track, too, <laughs> it came out, like, only a year after uh, the movie was made because the DVD came out in 99 and mm-hmm. the, uh, the movie came out in 98. So it was, like, a year or so. And uh, the other thing I'll mention, too, is this this our, uh, Criterion DVD at uh, Old A&B Sound, uh, which was a video selling store back in the day. They had a copy of this, and they wanted $100 for it. Fuck off. One hundred dollars. It was like it is like it, it was like it was for whatever reason the most expensive Criterion DVD for like a while, and I think it was probably because of licensing rights and stuff, uh, sure. which is just hilarious. Because I watched it on Netflix in HD um, for free and for for well for my monthly subscription price. So it's sure. all good. Um, and yeah, I don't know uh, mm-hmm. where was I going with this. So I get it. I so get it. I get it. Deep Impact, very different movies, but mm-hmm. I had to watch it. Because that's what you got to do for uh, for movie podcasting. Mm-hmm. So, Deep Impact is a very different movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very it's like more of a typical movie. Like if I was thinking of like nondescript '90s uh, films, uh, I would think of Deep Impact. I didn't realize that it was directed by a woman, uh, Mimi Letter, mm. and uh, she went on to make such great films as Pay It Forward. And some other stuff Ooh. that you really don't need to watch. Um, yeah, pay it forward. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like the Armageddon of those types of movies, I guess. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. Deep Impact, Elijah Wood, uh, Tia Leone. Yeah. She rivals Liv Tyler in the uh, bad acting department. That's for sure. Oh, isn't she married to uh, David Duchovny? At that point, she might have been or very close yeah. to maybe the following year. Um, hmm. but yeah, so deep impact, same plot, except there's like a way more like setup. Um, and I would dare say that the depiction of the asteroid is far better in deep impact. It really seems like a more of like a, I think I threw the word out there earlier, sublime. There's like a, uh, it, it really feels like a real, like 
beautiful and terrifying prospect. Whereas in Armageddon, it's just like comical horror show. Like it's, it's not to be taken seriously. It's so ridiculous and just shit flying off of it constantly. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like the deep impact thing was far more well researched as far as like, this is how it would actually operate. And these are, this is people traveling around on it. They're like strapped in together along a hose and they're moving around. Mm -hmm. And then like when the sun hits part of it, it starts the temperature of the surface of the, uh, it's actually a comet, not an asteroid, Mm -hmm. uh, starts like blasting off and off gassing. And then this causes one person to float off into space forever. And that man is John Favreau. John Favreau. John Favreau. When he was still trying to be an actor. That's right. And dying. Actually, he still is trying to be an actor. Yeah. So that's uh, too bad. Robert Duvall. He's like the old hand nice. astronaut that goes up there. And mm-hmm. uh, and the one guy from that show, Men Behaving Badly, which I don't even know if you'd remember that with uh, Rob Schneider's sitcom on NBC. Yeah, <laughs> you, were, no. you were like two or something, I'm sure, when that movie was on. But I was like, hey, yeah. it's that guy from Men Behaving Badly. <laughs> that's all hmm. I thought of. Um, what else could I mention about Elijah Wood? Um, mm-hmm. that Lily Sobieski checks in it, looking kind of like uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, you don't know who sure. she is. Yeah, she's the mm. she's like the young girl that like Tom Cruise is like making eyes at and eyes wide shut. Oh, is L- she Lily? from Pocus Pocus? Uh, I I don't know. I don't think so. Am I thinking of like totally different people? Maybe. So, uh, I don't know, man. Like, Team Impact's like, it's okay. It's like not like, I don't know. I'd say that it is better, but at the same time, nowhere near as memorable as Armageddon. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there you go. I mean, people aren't making movies like Deep Impact anymore. They're making movies like mm-hmm. Armageddon. Um, but yeah, no, like, yeah, there's like, de- like I'd say that like definitely the, um, the, the big impact moments, like the sense of space and like urgency is mm-hmm. way better in deep impact. It feels right. like it's not just like a mindless action movie, I guess. So, there's, so there's that. I have one thing to say. I looked up. Uh, there is whatever that name was that you said, that yeah. person is in eyes wide shut. Yeah. But also in eyes wide shut is Vanessa, Vanessa Shaw, who is in Hocus Pocus. Ah. So there you go. They're both in there. That's where the problem was. Um, Lily Sobieski, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty neat. Um, Deep Impact sounds. I I remember seeing it, but I I, I probably would have watched that when it came out, and I would have yeah. been eight years old. So mm-hmm. I don't remember. Is Morgan Freeman the president? In that? He is. That that's always yeah. been the big deal. Is black president. Honestly, I thought Armageddon also had black president. So when I saw Keith David, I was like, oh, he's the president. And <laughs> no. then he wasn't. I was like, oh, he's not the president. So I was a little surprised no, by that. There, there would, there's no black mm-hmm. presidents in Michael Bay's universe. Not yet. Wait till his Benghazi two comes out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. When things go wrong, <laughs> when yeah. the president's black. Um, so I, I, I will just add one last thing. Uh, when we had started this whole thing, and I learned Armageddon was in here, I was like, why the fuck is Armageddon in the Criterion Collection? I think I get it now. I yeah. can see why this is here. Yeah, as you said, it's it was such a trendsetter, dear. It made it made such a big wave. Um, I get it. I I see why it's in here, but I still think maybe whoever the company was, uh, they might have uh, slipped criteria and a little bit of dough to include this puppy in there. I think it was. I that's the thing. I'm trying to figure out. Like there was like some dealings that happened that came out yeah. of this because it was Touchstone, and like they would wind up like Rushmore. 
Yeah. Um, that's because that, that's like a touchstone as well. And so there's like mm-hmm. some of those things that they were pulling on. And there's a few other things. I mean, The Rock eventually does yep. come out. We'll be watching too, um, mm-hmm. which I think I feel more positive toward. Yeah, that um, movie rules. Nick Cage, baby. Um, well, actually, one thing I would love to talk about, and this is kind of off topic, but kind of uh, goes back to Deep Impact, um, was this idea of twin films. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with that Ever concept? Ever prevalent. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Disney and uh, fucking Paramount or Warner Brothers do it all the time with all their new movies where it's like two Cinderella movies a year, two Snow White movies a year, two fucking Huntsman movies a year, whatever. Yeah. It's been it's, going on for a long time. Oh, it has been. Um, actually, there's there's an entire list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that my uh, computer is deciding to uh, be a very piece of crap slow mm-hmm. thing. and I'm trying to pull it up this. It must be a Mac. List. It is. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. I mean, people will never know now just because uh, Steve Jobs made inferior products. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the earliest, yeah, there's just been a few examples of it, but look at this. Even in 1984, we had Nightmare on Elm Street and Dreamscape. In 19, uh, yeah, it was back here. Zombie movies. Oh, 1986, we had Top Gun and Iron Eagle. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, there's like there's like the ones where it's like clear knockoffs by other studios. Yeah. We had, yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's like weird like there's like two Robin Hoods in 1991. There was like 1992 where we had two Christopher Columbus movies. Oh, that's kind of weird. Uh, and then there's like the funny one of '93 where we had um, Jurassic Park and Carnosaur. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, those are, well, it's like you said, those are all knockoffs, but like well, they're not knockoffs the, because like Carnosaur was actually based on the novel, like, and it's just like uh, I think what happens is like a studio hears, hey, Universal's doing a dinosaur movie, we should do a dinosaur movie too, and then they go find a movie that's about dinosaurs, and they're like, yeah, yeah. Well, they're the same thing, right? Um, yeah. And then like yeah, so like in ninety three, ninety four, you had Tombstone and Wyatt Earp, both Wyatt Earp movies that came out mm-hmm. within a year of one another. I remember that one being really confusing. Uh, mm-hmm. You had things like uh, yeah, very very much in the nineties. Uh, California with a K and Natural Born Killers. Uh, the fall yeah. of 94, Terminal Velocity and Drop Zone, both movies about mm. skydiving. Um, in 1995, you had Braveheart and Rob Roy, both uh, biopic uh, history or period pieces in Scotland. Both came out yeah. the same year. Um, well, yeah. And then uh, 90, 95, 96, you had Showgirls and Striptease. Uh, mm-hmm. This is one I remember a lot when I was a kid. There was the movie Powder. And then mm-hmm. there was also the movie Phenomenon, which is just about like yeah. people with telepathic powers in like rural settings. Mm-hmm. Um, my, but of course, the classics is 97. You had Dante's Peak and Volcano. Um, yeah. And then in 98, you had Ants and A Bug's Life and Deep Impact yeah. Armageddon. And you had Saving Private Ryan and Thin Red Line, which is kind of stretching it, but I mean they're that both like, a, pre- yeah. but they're both prestige dramas about World War II when in an era mm-hmm. where those movies were not being made. Sure. Um, then you had Truman Show and Ed TV coming out within yep. like a year of one another. Um, yeah, um, and some people have drawn a similarity between Dark City and The Matrix. And there's also that same year, Thirteenth Floor and Existence, which are both like all science fiction films about how the world is an illusion. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, something was in the air, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some other classics? Oh, of course, there's Mission to Mars and Red Planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen either of those? 
I've seen Red Planet. That's the John Carpenter. Or no, wait, that's Ghosts that's of Mars. That's Ghosts of Mars. Uh, I think I've seen one of those. I'd have to look at the poster yeah. or something. Uh, Red Planet's like okay. Guy, not Guy Pierce, Val Kilmer. And Mission Mars is Tim pre- Robbins. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen one of those at Pro- least. Yeah, I can't imagine you would have missed yeah. out. But yeah, I know there's like, uh, I don't know. This is a fascinating thing maybe more to me than you. Winning. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like interesting. Just like, I get oh, it. these movies are like, and it's yeah. like, yeah, is it industrial espionage? Um, I don't know. And yeah, people just keep doing it, just ripping one another off all day long because mm-hmm. there's no ideas. Okay, this okay, this is one's bullshit. Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Captain America: Civil War. Yeah, that one's bullshit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but uh, for the record, um, Marvel announced Civil War after BBC, uh, BVS, so. You know, maybe Marvel twinned it for BBS. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, of course, there's Observe and Report and Paul Blart, Mall Cop. Oh, yeah, because those are totally the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they're both mall security columns, well, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I guess. And then yeah. there, Oh, and then there was The Prestige and The Illusionist, which I also yeah, remember I, I being like, that's odd. <laughs> I, I remember that one because I saw both of those, and I was like, it's so fucking weird that they, there's this, like, Victorian era magician movies <laughs> yeah. coming out. At the exact same time. And yeah. hmm, one we talk about and the other we don't. Yeah. Well, yeah, because one's great and the other's like. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Sounds. Take, take that, Edward Norton. <sighs> well, um, that that leaves one thing. Mm-hmm. Who hates Armageddon? I say thee nay. Who loves huh? Armageddon? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh, uh, Ab said, Abs? "Gave Ab Ooh. Ab give this five stars." Nice. I and just said, "I haven't even finished the fucking film yet." Oh, that's that's a glowing review. <laughs> he's so confident in what he's seen so far. He's like, "I'm, I, I trust." It's five stars. Mm-hmm. Five stars. Um, Luciano Howard, five stars. Oh mm-hmm. my, I'm wrecked. Mm. Love this film. Ever since I saw it on its summer of release, working in a cinema multiple times, back to front, just watched it again. Didn't mean to, but had the Blu-ray, and it seemed sensible. <laughs> Wrecked. It always gets to me. A bizarre film to do that many would say, but it does. And this time, well, I was looking at Dad, Harry Stamper, and seeing myself. Oh, heck. I don't want to spoil <laughs> it, but my word. Wrecked. Still amazing. <laughs> Bedtime now. Uh, number one. I think this review is amazing. <laughs> I think it's really funny. Um, number two, what does he mean he didn't mean to watch it? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm totally going to watch The Prestige, and then Armageddon shows up. And he's <laughs> like, whoops, really, whatever. He's in the wrong case. Yeah. All uh, right. All five right, stars right. from Emilia. Emily. You guys, mm-hmm. this movie fucking rules. Great American yeah. cinema. It has everything and everyone. Reluctant genius, Buscemi. Cowboy Owen Wilson. That ain't no salesman. That's your daddy. Animal cracker flirtations. So much more. I didn't want to close my eyes, and I sure didn't want to fall asleep. Fuck yeah. These people get it, Jarrett. I should do a podcast with them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's like... I was looking at like who hates this movie, and there's just so much hate. Like, I, I, that's going, obvious. Go, going, that's going obvious. half a star is like mm, bullshit to me. I've yeah. I have seen half star movies. I've seen one star movies. I've seen Drink star it. and a half movies, and it's like yep. no, th- th- this movie is like I don't know. 
it fits in like I just it's not for me at all. Um mm-hmm. uh and it's yeah, whatever. Roger Ebert's like one of his most hated movies or whatever. Um but it's like yeah, but for like he's for, dead. For, he's dead. And uh so who cares? <laughs> and uh yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. done and done yeah yeah it's the the hate is too obvious mm-hmm. too, hate, hate's easy guys it's easy yeah <laughs> it's um, it's finding the uh the diamond in the rough that's what's tough yeah like a major motion picture released uh making half a billion dollars what an obscure gem <laughs> yeah what an obscure obscure independent low budget indie film yep well i think that's it yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess so. After the break, I'm going to take RJ in my arms, hold him tight, and sing him a song. Ooh, that sounds nice. Armageddon again anytime soon I have been for the last like half hour because I was just bored of what you were talking about so I just threw it on yeah yeah twin films fucking twin <laughs> twinners yeah I was like fuck this shit Armageddon yeah yeah mm-hmm. well you can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com mm-hmm. we've got a Facebook page we're on Instagram you can see RJ's mm-hmm. note about Armageddon yeah. Uh, we're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnlow. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, That Criterion Creeps podcast. Rate, mm-hmm. subscribe, listen, feedback, please. Yes, please. And next week, has someone ever laughed at you when you told them how you could go from Michael Bay to Shakespeare in one move? Well, they are the ones who look the fool. Because next week, we're getting old-timey speaky and classing up the joint getting that stink out of the place as we're talking about mm. spine number 41 Laurence Olivier's Henry V from 1944 sounds boring as fuck I might watch more Michael Bay movies <laughs> we're back in my backyard <laughs> mm. yeah that the 1800 uh, British whatever what wait happened? how old was Shakespeare pretty old right 1600 
whatever. Late 1500s. I'm not here to talk about Shakespeare. 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 Coming your way. Fart sounds. Hey, Shakespeare would have approved. I'm going to drop a lot of fart tracks during the Shakespeare episode, so get ready for that. Wow. That, that 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 is how you uh, that's that's how you make uh, listener retention right there. Nice. Good night, folks.